I've spent far too much time in the past few years waiting for certain people in my life to wise the fuck up, to stop enabling a system built on victimization, one that others isolates and censors based out of fear. Fear that they may be wrong, or maybe fear that others will find out that they may think differently than the curated public perception force-fed to them, and would therefore fall victim to the same mechanisms they put in place. Just like all the other useful idiots that came before them. They fear for good reason, because for people that live in today's mainstream culture, the worst thing you can be is contrary to the narratives. What they should also fear is the consequences for what they have done to the people. We are all responsible for some degree for the state of our world. If you're an adult and capable of making your own decisions and you went along with everything that was done to people during this quote-unquote pandemic, I, being pretty optimistic that people can be redeemed, would forgive those transgressions if an apology was offered from the people who didn't have a hand in the making of those policies, but simply enforced them. Those who are still championing those policies, the disenfranchised, experimented on, and murdered people, do not get the same courtesy from me. When we've talked about the Nuremberg trials here on the new prisoners, we've done so because What has happened to us all over the past several years is a crime against humanity. Those at the top deserve to be punished humanely and within the laws and norms that the public agrees to, but that only happens if they are actually held to account. The ones in the hierarchy beneath them all deserve some form of consequence relative to their involvement in those crimes. Does the guy at the retail store who forced you to put on a mask unless you couldn't buy food or water deserve a consequence? Yes. Yes, he does. Does it need to be the same as someone like Dr. Fauci or Bill Gates? No. But if that person still believes what they did was justified, even championing it all, still, after all the evidence that's been presented over the past two years that everything that they tried, everything they did to us, did more harm than good, Maybe it's just time you stop shopping at that store. Maybe if that person is your quote-unquote friend, you might want to consider reevaluating that relationship as well. Friends don't let friends get excommunicated from society and then continue to justify it after what they claimed has been proven false time and again. Friends don't encourage things that harm you or other people in your life. Real friends, people that care, are people that want you to thrive and succeed. That may differ from your opinion, and they should sometimes, because we need contrary views to solidify what we know. But anyone who would deny or refuse to accept what you can present to them as evidence of the harm or wrongs that were done to people, that were done to you, is not your friend. They don't have to be your enemy either, but they are just a tool for the real enemy driving all of this. Corporatism. Global corporatism. The reason why I include incorporation in the global corporatist oligarchy's three offerings is because I, like you probably have watched several people, just take the establishment bait 
and be swept up in the social and political net it creates. They take things the establishment tells them at face value. They're apathetic to the harm it causes, or they justify because that's the role they were meant to play in the GCO. It's what pays the bills. It's what keeps them comfortable. It even helps them chase their dreams. But what they serve doesn't, will not, and cannot serve them or their fellow man. Their psyche has been damaged. They are demoralized, broken, and brainwashed. It's a sad thing to watch when it's someone you care about. But like other things like addiction and self-harm, there's only so much you can do to save them. Sometimes it's just not worth the cost to yourself. Trying to shake someone awake that just wants to be asleep forever. It's been a long journey to the place I'm at in life. And many of you out there, I'm sure it has been too. Probably a lot rougher of a road than I've been on. But there are wonderful people out there in this community. The one us conspiracy theorists live in now. The people who don't want to force you to do something. People that use positive liberty as an excuse for their aggression upon you or not your friend. The ones that allow free and open discussion and a curious and critical examination of whatever topic that affects us all are certainly better candidates. Those that stand up for you, march with you, would sit in jail with you or worse if it came down to it, defending your inalienable rights are the friends you need to call or text to let them know you love them because they are your true friends. Our world, our future, our children and beyond need those kind of friends right now. And if you got them, be thankful for them. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. 
All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast, and I'm here with John Henry. And this week, we are going to talk about, well, a big question. Should we vote or shouldn't we? To vote or not to vote? We're also going to talk about the January 6th political prisoners of all sorts, including maybe us. Uh, The right to bear arms. That's a popular topic in these circles, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more since Justin Trudeau just thinks that you don't have that right. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, the Democrats' midterm COVID strategy is unfolding with just normalizing uh, living with COVID now, now that they're removing restrictions on international travel and other things. But we're going to delve into a little bit of that and also what the uh, WHO has been up to recently. So, But uh, John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people this week? Ho, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the end of the world. My goodness, we are now at a 40-year high record inflationary rate, which at the end of the day, I I don't even think that the the current inflation rate is really accurate. I think there's some manipulation there. And, you know, old basement Joe and uh, that old hag Janet Yellen say there's no end in sight. And, you know, what do they keep telling us? It's the the Putin price hike, Uh, not to be confused with Canada's Putin (laughs) price hike. So the question is, is it Vladimir's fault? Is it our fault? That's a good question. So a lot of exciting stuff to talk about on today's show. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get at it. Speaking of Janet Yellen, though, before we continue this first article, John Henry, I did see that pumpkin headed bitch say something about like renewable (laughs) uh, energy sources. Like what the fuck does she even have to do? Like she's a finance like monger, right? Isn't isn't she like yeah, but she's she's part of the yeah. fucking uh, the whole entire right. <laughs> corrupt, you know. Uh, they always have to push order. the same bullshit. So, huh? I mean, of course they are, and you know, realistically, when you look at it, as we know, that they're all working in conjunction with one another. They're all just fucking tentacles connected to one evil, evil fucking creature, and um, they're just cohorts, man. You know what I mean? And, and one of the things that I'm starting to believe day after day, and well, not just believe, this isn't speculation, I know for a fact that, you know, these um, these fuel prices, this inflation, this shit's happening on purpose, man. And it's been the continual Green New Deal, you know, green energy push that we've been going through for years and years and years and years. And, and now they're just trying to manipulate every aspect of the economy to push it towards us. So, you know, there's a reason that these these fucking lunatics keep saying, um, you know, electric cars, electric cars, electric cars, and that they're braggadocious about what Ford's doing and, you know, the other big manufacturers external of obviously a Tesla and, you know, investing all this money in the green vehicles. But what's amazing is when you see, uh, you know, reporters or independent journalists as they're doing these these big dog and fucking pony shows go, well, well, where's the energy come from? that you charge these vehicles with and they look fucking dumbfounded. Right. And we've talked about on the show, you know, the sheer, it's like, I believe it's like 50 tons of earth have to be moved to mine enough cobalt for an electric car battery. So for us to, you know, look at this under the guise of environmentalism, it's absolute bullshit. I mean, it's terrible. And then what happens with these toxic batteries when the cars don't work anymore, 
it's all insane. So again, it's just all of them working together and really together against us. Because when you look at it, um, we're not charging the electric cars from solar panels, guys. We're charging them from, um, you know, coal. Yeah. And the <laughs> oil from gas. Saudi Arabia that's all being shipped to China. I had a listener send me a thing oh, about that, man. too. Yeah, yeah, I was reading about that. So when you look at it and, you know, they're they're basically, you know, pushing um, pushing basement Joe to go and beg Saudi oh, yeah. Arabia. He might know, even take oil. his teeth out. It just the whole. <laughs> he may, he may Saudi King might get a nice little gummer there from old hey, Joe. I know. If not, Hunter yep. would be happy too. Yeah, they're um, so shit. you know, and that's it's all artificial, right? So what they're doing is they're they're choking us out like a damn boa mm-hmm. constrictor, um, you know. And and really, what they're telling us is, oh, well, you need to buy an electric car, and everything will be okay. Yeah, but you still have to pay your electric bill, which is also. Um, you know, right there with, you know, inflationary costs that we have. I mean, electric is up at a fucking ridiculous amount. So, you know, we know that gas to heat our home. So, you know, as they continue to go through this, I'm sure we're going to get it from every single side. And, um, you know, that's a new big push, man, is uh, to reinvent, you know, how we uh, how we have transportation. And we've talked on the show how many times about what really the purpose oh, of that even is. The freedom to, of travel, yeah. Which is, I don't mm-hmm. like your tweet. Your car won't move. You know, it's a comply, comply, comply. So, um, you know, none of this shit is a surprise. None whatsoever. And, you know, we know now that already with electric vehicles that they can disable the vehicles while you're driving. So it's just, it's uh, it's some scary shit. So I'm, I'm certainly not surprised to see, <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, as you say, pumpkin head. Yeah, that's a very accurate description. That immediately leads me to think about the old shitty yes. horror movie pumpkin head. Um, but yeah, that's Janet Yellen. Um, she's fucking pumpkin head on Jabba the Hutt's body. That is the best era of horror movies, in my opinion. Like those campy, like eighties and nineties horror movies that I grew up with. I just, there's something just special about them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, don't go and fuck in a tent because most likely something's going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Oh my, I think I may just have found a breakthrough here. So what did those movies accomplish? Those movies made people afraid of being oh, yeah. outdoors. Outdoors, alone. <laughs> Think yeah. about that, right? Don't go have your own farm yeah. somewhere, right? Don't grow whatever your own you do. Vegetables. Stay on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. I think this might all be yeah, coordinated. There's plenty man. of priming in movies. Uh, I think so. Um, let, let's talk about the. Let's talk about how we got into Freddy this Kruger. situation. Stay on Adderall. Yeah. Don't ever well, sleep. Yeah, there's plenty of that too. Um, I, I swear, if we had more editing to do on this show, I know that that's a popular thing with people in that in that field. Um, I'm happy to say I am Adderall free. Never touched the stuff. You know, so yeah. if everyone's giving us compliments on how nicely things are edited, it ain't the sauce; it's the man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I took an Adderall one time, and I don't. I've never been a, no. a drug user or abuser throughout my life. I don't even take aspirin, and uh, it was very interesting. I had a, a extremely long, like sixteen hour flight, and I uh, slept about an hour and a half, and had to be up for a huge meeting. Um, basically a couple hours after I went to sleep and, uh, got up and went to this giant meeting and I was just out of my mind. And one of the guys that traveled with me, uh, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, brother, I- I'm on fumes. Like I can't even uh, think straight right now. I'm oh, so yeah, exhausted. Your ass, man. He's like, here, man. He's like, take one of these. And, um, and, and again, I don't do that, but he had a prescription for him and always took him. And, uh, 
He's like, I'm telling you, man, just here, take this. And, and at least it'll wake you up a little bit. So I'm like, ah, whatever, man. I see this guy take these damn things every day, which again, I'm not promoting that for any of you adults no. and or children. Um, but I was hurting and it was a very important meeting. So I took this thing and I'm sitting there and I'm like borderline about to fall asleep. And then my hand starts sweating. Oh, yeah. Bad. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then all of a sudden, I could see the words as people spoke them out of yep. their mouth. <laughs> and I look over and I go, hey, man. How I'm do I like, turn off the clothes, What, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I'm like, dude. And he goes, well, you ate breakfast, right? And I go, no, I didn't eat breakfast. And he just starts oh, no. laughing in like this mischievous yeah, laugh. Those are always the best, like, friends. Good luck. <laughs> best friends. Yeah. So, uh, so it's no surprise of why so many people take those damn things. Cause I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit, man, that thing put me on the freaking moon for like four well, hours. Maybe if we had enough of that shit in people's systems, they could possibly make sense of our voting systems at this point, John Henry. Cause the shit that I'm oh, about boy. to read through in the next couple articles, man, this kind of like, there's things that kind of make me, We've had a lot, man, a, a lot of information on that this week, a lot of conversations about the voting systems, the Dominion machines. It's been, uh, there's things they're going to be encouraging here that I like, I'm, I'm proud to report, you know, to our audience. And then there's other things that just like, man, I don't even know if we have a country anymore. So we're, we're going to, we're going to ask ourselves these questions though. Um, so this, this first one I pulled, John Henry, you sent me this, this is uh Emerald Robinson's the right way uh, on Substack. So, uh, go and subscribe to her there. We are also on Substack. That's why you can see our source lists and our monologues there and other things. And you will also be seeing John Henry, we're going to be seeing your source lists there too, for the, the new series that you started the news prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, I figured, uh, you know, it's something number six and I have been talking about for a while to, to get you folks yeah. some more content, just something abbreviated, um, you know, something short and sweet. And, you know, it's it, as we talk about every week, it's always extraordinary how much stuff happens a week to oh, week in our we world right sometimes. now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's astounding, you know, as we go through and try to decide what topics to, to really go through thoroughly every single week, it's like there is so much shit out there that really does matter, but we just don't have the time to do it. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys like that. Let us know if you're into it. Um, you know, I'd like to do that a couple days a week and just give you a quick little 15 minute update on on what's happening out there in the world. And just uh, also some follow-ups, yeah. I think it'd be a really good platform uh, to just do some follow-ups on conversations that we have, if there's anything new or, uh, yeah, or always keeping people informed here and we are open source. So our subscription to our Substack, And if you want to find it on our minds page too, uh, always free. So let's talk about this. It's bombshell X dominion employee has Fulton County recertify the primary results in secret meeting. It says Fulton County officials vote to certify election results without having any of the election results. Now, you may have just scratched your head there and said, what did he just say? Let me, let me say it again. Fulton County officials have voted to certify election results without having any of the election results. So did, did, did they flip a coin like the one shitty uh, caucuses that they do? What was that, Iowa, where they flip fucking coins and shit? And I think the guy botched the coin toss, too. I've seen like multiple videos on that, but uh, I digress. Um, it says here, Georgia's primary elections have descended into chaos in Fulton County and DeKalb County and Dominion voting system machines are at the center of both scandals. Wow. Uh, shocker there with the, the Dominion stuff. Now it also says, in fact, an ex 
Dominion Voting Systems employee named Dominic Alomo appeared at an emergency election meeting on a Sunday in Fulton County to announce that discrepancies, you don't say, in Dominion machines forced him, forced him to recertify the results of the primary election without having any of the vote totals to verify. Now, this is a little video that's attached to the article here. Um, This is something posted from Kevin Moncla, uh, who is an independent journalist who bravely reported on this stuff. Shout out to Kevin. Uh, But it says, broken, Fulton County recertified the primary election results on a Sunday afternoon in an emergency session. Dominic Alomo, I believe is pictured here, former Dominion, told the board that some poll managers didn't save the results, files, to the flashcard. And this as he says, and I quote, 100% bullshit. I like this guy already. And it says, watch this exchange too. It says, not only did Dominic give the Fulton County BRE a false reason, 100% why the election results required recertification, but then he didn't know how many votes were changed, added, or even affected. And then the BRE certified the results without even knowing what the changes were. (laughs) Now, there is uh, some details to this uh, that I want to switch over to this article for, because this was the source article that uh, I believe Emerald Robinson used for this uh, article that she did. Um, This is from uh, UncoveredDC.com, and I like this. I wasn't really familiar with this website before, but they're killing it. Um, This one is Voting Machines Not Secure Citizens Take Action by Wendy Stouch Mahoney. This is from June 10th. So um, it goes on to say citizens are beginning to take action following a June 3rd CISA advisory report on the vulnerabilities of election machines. Georgia, Arizona, Alabama, and New Mexico have found their way into election integrity news, with a Tarot County, New Mexico County commissioners actually voting to remove Dominion voting machines in the Zuckerberg drop boxes on Thursday. And you know what I did, John Henry? I actually switched up these two. This is the source article from Michelle Edwards, Fulton County Emergency Meeting, recertifies unclear primary results. Sorry about that, folks. I should have taken an Adderall. You wouldn't. Have <laughs> They're both that up. in the same source. So when I looked up in the corner, I was. We're going all natural here. On if the it new was prisoners. talking to me and I could see the words <laughs> it, it floating around in space from the Adderall, we would have done it properly. But it says, following the discovery, here we go, of discrepancies and without knowing precise totals, the Fulton County Board of Registration Elections (BRE) held an emergency meeting, like they said, on Sunday, June fifth, twenty twenty-two to recertify the results of the 2022 primary election. The impromptu session is cause for concern because the certification of election results is an official act or duty and is solemn responsibility. Um, As expressed by Kevin Moncla, who we gave a shout out there, uh, the decision to certify an election is one that obviously and inherently requires command of the facts, yeah, uh, understanding of the process, and due diligence to authenticate and reconcile the results. All impossible without having the exact numbers, much less no numbers at all. Now, the BRE vice chair, Dr. Kathleen Ruth, oversaw the spur-of-the-moment meeting with board members Aaron Johnson and Teresa Crawford also in attendance. Fulton County Election Director Nadine Williams stated that the meeting was taking place under emergency provisions because the Georgia Secretary of State, and this is going to, this is going to, prick a couple people's ears up when they hear the name here, uh, required Fulton County to certify the May 24th primary election results before 9 a.m. on Monday, June 6th. And, in quotes it says, and there was simply no other time 
in which a meeting could be held with a quorum. Williams added that Fulton County Information Systems Manager Dominic Lomo would further explain why recertification of the results was necessary. But it says the BRE gave little public notice about the meeting, and the standard live stream link on the Fulton County website was inaccessible. Likewise, the meeting instead streamed on Facebook, brought to you by Facebook, and began one hour late. It was not open to public comment. So yeah, you obviously can't say, hey, this sounds like bullshit on there because it's Facebook. They don't let you speak your opinions anymore. Now, it also says on Monday, June 6th, citing procedures void of transparency, Kevin Moncla filed an official complaint. Good on you, Kevin. Against the BRE's last minute measures with the Georgia State Election Board, including Mr. Matt Mashburn, Dr. Uh, Jan Johnson, Mr. Edward Lindsay, Mrs. Sarah Tyndall Gazal, and Mr. Brad Raffensperger. Where the fuck have we heard that name? Oh, remember when they fucked us out of the 2020 election, folks? Wasn't that prick involved in all that stuff? Wasn't there a call that got leaked? You know, that the President Trump, you know, at the time, called him up and said, hey, we don't need like a bajillion votes, even though that a bajillion votes have been changed. We only need this many votes to change to actually win. So stop fucking up. And what did they do? They uh, they just ran and reported it to the media that you know, President Trump at the time was trying to uh, 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 just fuck with the election. I guess you know just he was trying to overthrow a a a, a just <laughs> a just election, free and fair. You bet your ass. Now it says requesting immediate attention from the board. Moncla's detailed claim asserts that the noticeable silence about the meeting, along with the impromptu recertification of election results on a Sunday afternoon, is simply unacceptable. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. It says, a quick look at Dominic Alomo's history with Fulton County. It says, since September uh, 24th of 2021, Dominic Alomo has held the position of Information Systems Manager for the Fulton County Department of Registration Elections. Before that, he was an election equipment supervisor. So, it sounds like he might actually know how the equipment fucking works. For Fulton County, and they'll get to that later in the article, you bet. Uh, Happy Faces Personnel Group whatever that is, uh, from August 2020 to January 2021, and tech support supervisor for Dominion Voting Systems. Yes, that's right. He was a tech support supervisor for Dominion from December of 2019 to August of 2020. Well, gee, I wonder what he was getting trained about, what they were about to do. Now, it also says already at the center of tabulator poll tape issues and missing absentee by, of course, missing absentee by mail ballot images in the 2020 general election, one can readily question Aloma's credibility. A quick comparison between Aloma's sworn testimony on a September 4th, 2020 deposition in an ongoing Georgia lawsuit challenging the vulnerabilities and potential manipulation of the state's voting system and the employment application for his current job reveals discrepancies and details he provided about his college education. Well, why would he lie? Well, let's see. In the 2020 deposition, when asked on page 18 about any formal education after his bachelor's degree in computer science, so again, it sounds like he would probably fucking know how these things work, folks. Alomo declared that he also has a master's in applied geology. He explained he studied the subject for three years to get his master's degree because my brothers are applied geophysics. So I did that because they were starting a company together. So I just wanted to have a degree in that. So it doesn't sound like he's dumb. Now, I know that there's plenty of people that go to school and go to a lot of school, and they're still pretty fucking dumb, but in different ways, right? So it says, however, when asked, 
what is your highest level of education on the government job application with the Fulton County Department of Human Resources? Aloma states, bachelor's degree in computer science, in all four instances where the question is asked. Aloma lists Nadine Williams, who took over Rick Barron's position when he left in April, as a professional reference on the application for his current $76,660. Do you think they put the three sixes together for a reason for him? Uh, your position and his previous position of assistant election system supervisor for Fulton County. Wow. So it sounds like he kind of knows what the fuck was supposed to be happening here. Uh, prior to talk uh, to taking over for Barron, Williams served as elections equipment manager, as previously mentioned, of Fulton County elections. Now, this is where his story fucking falls apart. Aloma's unbelievable explanation for recertification. When asked by Dr. Ruth to describe the reason for the emergency meeting, Moncla notes, that's the, the person that called this shit out, that Aloma explains it is due to a discrepancy in the election results, which he asserts was the result of poll managers failing to save the correct election results files to the tabulator's compact flashcard or CF card. At 1.03 in the video, Aloma states, on yesterday... Now, this is an educated person speaking, apparently, but I'm going to struggle getting through this because of the way it's worded. On yesterday, we found out that we had some precinct, had some compact flashcard. That's a fucking sentence. During election night, we extract result files, images, and log files from CF cards, from compact flashcards. We found out some precincts have discrepancies. Some CF cards were not pulling some precincts were not pulling result files. Some were pulling images and log files, while some would have. Yeah. So he, does he just say everything I, I know. twice? Is that supposed I to be more believable? No, man. Like <laughs> I, when the first time I read this too, I had, to read, I had to read through it like several times, and I read a lot of shit. This but yeah, it is brutal. bad. But that's another thing too that makes you think that he was kind of obfuscating something because, like, if people are like, I, I, I uh, um. It's yeah. a nervous oh, energy. Yeah. yeah, it's it's always nervous. People repeat themselves. I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't know I was there. I, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be there. <laughs> but it says here, it says, while some have some images and log files, not result files. The result file is where we, you know, he says, we use it to do the tabulation. Import the result. The images input ballot images. The log file gives us the activity on the scanner and the precinct level. So we have those discrepancies. If you got any of that out of that sentence, <laughs> I am a hundred percent sure whoever writes Kamala Harris's speeches wrote this fucking statement. Absolutely. If he says we did the thing that we Guaranteed. do every day, at some point here we're gonna know. That's the tell. <laughs> but to finish off what this fucker said, he said, and it was just like you know how to say technical issue. I mean, is he foreign? I don't know. It's maybe he's foreign. I don't know. But again, um, now it says uh, this is another channel uh, like ours that's on Rumble. This is from CanCon2000Mules.com or CanCon Actual. It says here on Twitter. Can someone? I don't smoke weed, but I kind of like yeah, the, the it, picture. The it's a dude with a big old crown. beard and a the big old weed leaf cool. behind him. And uh, yeah, I, I subscribe to him on Rumble because uh, he posted this. And uh, I'm definitely going to check out his show sometime soon. I've just been buried in shit. But it says, uh, can someone explain to me how CF cards were not pulling some precincts, were not pulling result files, in, in the quotes, when the entire process is automated, it says, in all capital letters for you, you listening there. Now, that's what got me. Um, 
that if this stuff is supposed to be automated, then how could somebody forget to save something if their job is never to save something? Now, it also says, here's the Dominion manual, and he posted the Dominion manual of how this is actually supposed to work, too, because, you know, you, you could look that stuff up, folks. He said, you would think Dominic Alomo, who worked for Dominion, now working for Fulton County, would know this. You would. And it says, not accepting Alomo's reason for recertification of the primary results, Moncla, uh, who has spent an enormous amount of time probing inconsistent election practices in Georgia, asserts, not only are Mr. Alomo's claims incorrect, but they are also impossible. Monka points out, along that other person that we just mentioned too, that when speaking of compact flashcards, Aloma is referencing the Dominion ImageCast Precinct, or ICP, whoop, whoop, uh, tabulators at each polling location. The ICP? <laughs> we got to do it every time we say it. I'm just thinking about <laughs> juggalos and juggalettes counting Juggalos ballots. couldn't fuck up the election this bad. <laughs> Yeah, they might get a little wild. They smoke some weed. They drink Fago, you know, but I don't think they could fuck up the election this bad. Um, it's a, They like use little hatchet man stamps. On the I would trust the juggalos taking over the next election versus these fucks. That's for sure. Um, the ICP whoop, whoop, uh, automatically stores all data on two compact flashcards, each of which is an identical copy of the other for redundancy. So the twin compact flashcards are the only place in the ICP whoop, whoop, where election information is stored, highlighting the ICP whoop, whoop, uh, process during an election. Moncla notes during an election, this is in quotes, as ballots are scanned, the ICP, now he doesn't say whoop, whoop, but I will, saves the, electric, the electronic copy of ballot image to the compact flashcards. Also saved on the compact flashcards during the course of the election is a running tally for each candidate, for each race or contest. Lastly, a system log or slog, mm, sounds like my ex, which lists each tabulator activity is also stored on the compact flashcards. Now it says, in summary, the ballot images, vote count, and system logs are all maintained, stored, saved on the compact flashcards and only the compact flashcards for the duration of the election. When the poll closes at 7 p.m. on election day, the poll manager selects the option on the ICP whoop, whoop, to close the poll. The ICP whoop, whoop, then counts the tallies for each contest tabulates and then prints the poll closing tapes and then automatically saves the results to the only place it can to the compact flashcards. There is no action required. It says in bold here. There is no action required by the poll manager to save any of the information to the compact flashcards as it is done automatically. In fact, even the poll manager failed to close the polls on the ICP. Whoop, whoop. All of the election information would still exist on that card, with the exception of the sum total for each contest. And it says in parentheses, this essentially describes the Georgia advance voting process. Wow, John Henry. So... His story isn't straight. Um, none of the shit that he said, even like going back up to his quote, even made any fucking sense. But also this guy, not only is just like, he, he's supposed to be smart, right? Like he's, he's got multiple degrees, master's degrees even. And he's worked with this equipment for years and even worked, worked for the company that made the equipment. It's extraordinary. I mean, they're so flagrant at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's just some disturbing yeah. shit. You know, and, and it's, uh, I mean, how do we trust an election? How do so we trust voting? You know, and I get it. I, I get that some of our listeners, when you say, 
you know, should we vote? I'm sure half of you, your fucking heads were going to explode. Like, don't even fucking, don't, we're not going there. Are you fucking kidding me? No, 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 no. That's not what number no. six meant. But when you look at this, the real question is, will your vote count? That's the question. And when we see absurdities like this one, it's pretty fucking hard to be confident that the, the answer to that question is yes, they will. You know, I mean, it's just so outlandish. And, you know, with, with 2000 mules coming out and, you know, it's, here's what's great and disappointing simultaneously. Only two people have admitted, admitted to ballot stuffing now. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, you know, just based on, you know, because if you did watch 2000 mules, it was pretty extreme circumstances. Like the parameters of, for them to even identify these people, they had to go like 15 times. And this, I mean, really, 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 um, overdo it on, on what they were uh, actually doing through all that process of stuff in the ballot boxes. So there was, I'm sure a lot more out there. So when you look at this and you have a guy go, Hey, there's a discrepancy. We need to recertify. I don't know what the actual vote amounts are. Well, then what is his justification or how does he substantiate what the result yeah. will be? I mean, we're, we're just grasping for straws here. Certifying something you never saw. Yeah, was that how our, <laughs> I mean, is that how our election works? Imagine <laughs> if doctors worked that way. Well, they, they kind of did over COVID, yeah. Well, they do now. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just now. assume. It's uh, well, did, let, me, let me just go ahead and throw a little shout out here. Uh, I do highly recommend that you watch Matt Walsh's uh, documentary, oh, What is yes. a Woman? Uh, it is really good. I watched it yesterday. So going back to your, you know, your point about what if doctors did that? Well, there yeah. are certainly some out there. There's dire consequences. Well, good on to Matt that. for starting to help shatter these fucking paradigms that are forced upon us too, from our news media and our government and everything else and our society around us. Uh, so let, let's move on to this. This is more of an upbeat type of thing. I started reading into this a little bit more, but yes, uh, citizens are taking action in different states. They're not putting up with this bullshit. They're funny. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned that there are some uplifting things uh, going on with elections. Um, and it's usually the people that are trying to fight to make sure that they are free and fair. Um, but it says Otoro County removes machines and drop boxes. The boldest move to date occurred in New Mexico and Otoro County during a special county meeting on June 9th. Commissioners voted to remove all Dominion voting machines. That's right. They got rid of the fucking things. They also got rid of the Zuckerberg. And I like how they call them that the Zuckerberg drop boxes. Cause yes, that, that motherfucker paid millions of dollars into a bunch of counties that yeah, he didn't live in or anything like that all to be able to influence the past election and he's doing it with this one too but these people are standing up against it and banning them which should happen and it says and multiple other problematic machines in a unanimous decision wow that's even kind of special too that the whole crew is down with that because usually you see you know a couple holdouts or a couple a couple stragglers there that just don't want to go along with the program but yeah everybody was about getting rid of that bullshit and now it also says commissioner griffin stated he and his colleagues had a duty to honor the will of the people. I like hearing that from people that are like, you know, representatives and stuff. It says regarding election integrity, the decision was based upon testimony beginning at the 455.18 mark detailed in a 261 page report that has been in the hands of state officials since October of 2021. They identified at least 17 massive vulnerabilities 
during their audit investigation that involved a canvas of 20% of the households in the county. Now, it says the commission ordered, and this is a really crazy thing, an audit in January during their canvas. The auditors from America's Audit Force found that 41% had an issue. Well, that seems like a that seems like a big part of like, you know, everything. 41%? That's a big margin. It also says 30 this doesn't sound like Steiner math, the old uh, the the old wrestling meme, but it says uh 30% of the people we knocked on doors don't live at that address. Some never lived at that address, and in some there is no record of them ever existing at that address. And of that 40%, 30% also voted. Officials from the Office of the Secretary of State said the so-called audit in Otero County has, from the beginning, been a political stunt orchestrated to perpetuate the big lie and make people lose trust in our elections. The auditors analyze counties from all over the state. So yeah, looking into it to verify that it's actually you know correct, well, you're, you're undermining it. You're hurting people's feelings. You're destro- you're destroying democracy by making sure that democracy is fucking working. But it says, in addition to their canvas, auditors looked at voter rolls, absentee roster, uh, system vulnerabilities, and certification process. They are still analyzing records, statistics, and absentee ballot envelopes. They found voter rolls in all counties are materially compromised. That's not good. They also found voter databases are being electronically manipulated and therefore compromised. Auditors said the Secretary of State has refused to address the identified issues. You just keep seeing that over and over again. These state officials not wanting to go along with any type of privatized audit. I wonder why. Now they said they reviewed tabulator printers in the Dominion ImageCast Evolution Voting System They found the printer tabulators can print at the wrong time, causing print issues of certain types of malicious, let me repeat again, malicious software are installed. Oh, I I thought that couldn't happen. I thought these were closed systems. Now it says much of the discussion centered around misadjudicated votes in tabulators and issues with DVS programming and software. The team also said the risk-limiting audit from the Chavs County clerk was a complete failure. The Chavs County clerk alerted the SOS and the FBI, and nothing was ever done. Oh, you don't say they called the FBI and the FBI said, oh, yeah, sure, we'll get right on that one. Now, it also says the auditors mentioned vote-switching issues similar to those in DeKalb County, Georgia, District 2, County Commission seat in DeKalb Dominion argued that all the SD cards weren't loaded in. The team also highlighted issues with the cast vote record all over the county, including New Mexico saying there is no doubt preset algorithms were in place to affect the vote ratios of Biden to Trump votes. Okay. And then also a cast voter record is an electronic record of a voter selection success. Now Dominion allegedly wiped all of the project files on the Otoro County voting machines after the election. Federal law mandates the preservation of election data. And this is from Behezi. Um, He's on uh, a bunch of the platforms that we're on, too, and I follow him as well. It says, breaking, Dominion wiped all project files on Otero County voting machines after the 2020 election, despite the federal law mandating the preservation of all election data. Commissioners to consider banning the machines. And I'm glad they did. Now, in Arizona, it says Republican State uh, Representative Mark Fincham 
announced on June 8th the filing of a preliminary injunction to ban the use of black block, uh, I'm sorry, black box electronic voting machines ahead of the 2022 midterms in Arizona. The press release speaks to the vulnerabilities of election machines, specifically the software and Dominion voting systems, ImageCastX, like we just told you about. And it also says the motion references an earlier lawsuit Fincham and gubernatorial hopeful Carrie Lake filed on April 22nd of 2022. It names the Arizona Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, Bill Gates and his fat tits, and members of both the Maricopa and Pima boards of supervisors as responsible for the vulnerabilities. Lake is also named as a plaintiff in the injunction, and the pair is represented by a team of attorneys, uh, including Alan Dershowitz. Oh, no. Fincham is currently a candidate for Secretary of State. So, yeah, I mean, I like where he's going with it, but did you have to dig up Dershowitz? The foot job guy, you know, Epstein's foot job guy. Did you really have to bring him on? Man, that guy just needs to go away. Now, it also says the April lawsuit states a civil rights action to protect the voters of Arizona. It calls for an open investigation of the electronic voting system by scientific experts, something the machine companies have consistently refused to do. And Fincham and Lake asked for the return to secure verifiable paper ballots and hand counts. And I agree with that. Um, it goes on. This is the entire uh, audit, uh, or I'm sorry, the lawsuit statement there. But um, then it says, Fincham and Lake contend it isn't too late to replace the equipment with secure paper ballots and hand counts. They argue the presently utilized 2% spot checks and independently tested machines do not prevent fraud. That the state, uh, the press release states that the, to succeed in the courts, the law requires the plaintiffs must show. We are likely to succeed on the merits. We will likely suffer irreparable harm if these machines are used, that the balance of equities tips in our favor, and that an injunction is in the public interest. Their motion for a preliminary injunction includes evidence and sworn declarations from five top former military and civilian cyber and cybersecurity experts. And according to Kurt Olson, who cites a declaration fired by Professor Halderman, Arizona is one of 16 states where vulnerabilities have been found in election equipment, and there may be others. I think so. Uh, CISA cited an unreleased report in Georgia by Halderman in its advisory. Now, I will say this, John Henry. Um, they're putting forth this, uh, this lawsuit or whatever you want to call it, this injunction, uh, preliminary injunction. Uh, we're relying on the court system again here for the elections. Didn't they fuck up? the last time and just allow all this stuff to happen. Like when they changed the, the constitutional things in Pennsylvania, for instance, about, you know, with uh, mail-in ballots and stuff. It's, it's how much have they fucked huge, us up already? Huge amounts of fucking up. Not yes. even did. Like Sam's club delivered to you on a fucking pallet levels of fucking up. I mean, you look at Arizona as an example and then outright refusal mm-hmm. whenever they wanted access to the voting machines. So it's not even a matter of uh, just a mistake. It's a fucking refusal. When you lack the transparency, that's when you got to start asking deeper and harder questions. As soon as they're like, oh, no, you can't see that shit. That's that's when I that's when my ears really perk up. That's when I'm ready. I'm fucking ready. That's because we're not smart enough or important enough to to see that data. We're to understand it. 
Uh, it says, Olson, an attorney working with Dershowitz, bleh, in the motion for a preliminary injunction, is currently involved in ruling out lawsuits in specific states. He has teamed up with Dershowitz bleh, in the past of election fraud issues. Olson appeared on Bannon's War Room oh yeah, podcast on June 10th to say that he has already filed a lawsuit in Alabama and plans to go to select states to ask the courts to enjoin the use of these machines. He says that he has proof of the vulnerabilities, mentioning the machine's ability to flip votes, and states that Mark Elias himself in a New York lawsuit argued the same. It is interesting to note that in 2018, <laughs> and this is why I wanted to read on this article before we moved on, that in 2018, Democrats wrote a report on election security in 18 states. And the report highlighted election security issues with voting machines. The report also listed the states most vulnerable to election security vulnerabilities. Tier one, number one with a bullet, fucking Georgia. <laughs> then Delaware. Hmm, who's from Delaware? Whom do we know? Whom do we know that's kind of famous now uh, that's given the gummers to the Saudis as we speak for more oil? Oh, yeah, Joe Biden's fucking state. Then Louisiana, who I've, I've heard plenty of things about the corruption down in the state of Louisiana. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I thought he was Scram Joe. Joe. Yeah, yeah. He spent like five seconds maybe I in Scram. I, was- I don't know. <laughs> But, but, but well, you know, I remember whenever he was going through Scranton and doing an event there that all the people in Scranton were like, that fucker nah, isn't from here. Nah. He's such a joke. What a plagiarist, lying piece of shit that he is. No, then again, Obama said he was yeah. from Hawaii. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm a denier. That's right, right everybody. Uh, you wouldn't want to claim him anyway. You know, that's a thing. Fuck Obama. No. <laughs> what a piece of shit. No, fuck him. And it says... uh <laughs> Hey, did you see Obama's no. cousin? No, I actually, didn't. All right. I'm bring that up. I'm down. So Obama's cousin is like on this tirade of talking all kind of shit really? on Obama. Um, so yeah, this is like a yeah, Nord uh, Bin Laden Obama. type person where it's just like. You oh, it's just the, the real deal. So Malik Obama it said something about like, you know, admitting to being related to Obama is like dragging a dead weight or a, a lead sled <laughs> or something. <laughs> And um, and then another one is I actually screenshotted this. Uh, it says, and no, I cannot confirm or deny the legend oh, of God. Big Mike. Um, <laughs> and by the way, there's an eggplant emoji there, <laughs> a.k.a. Michael LaVon Robinson. Folks, please don't ask me that question again. <laughs> Send it to you, I so want to you go to it. his side of the family reunion and high five all those people now. <laughs> like that's the thing. I mean, if there's a split there, if there's a division dude, in that in that family group. Malik Obama's oh, on a tear right that now. That is so sick. Uh, it also says, and uh, shocker, New Jersey was also part of those states. Now it also says nine states in tier two were Arizona, who we just mentioned, uh, also Tennessee, Texas, Florida, uh, Illinois. Indiana, Kansas, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. And then tier three showed Wisconsin, Iowa, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, and Washington as having issues. Now, if you would think, man, I've heard that I've heard those states come up quite often when it came to like the swing states that all went towards Biden when they shouldn't have. When all the uh all the bellwether mm-hmm. states and stuff like all the all the things that should have happened in 2020, according to everything that didn't happen. Yeah, those states. Yeah, to all of the states that would have changed the election. Go figure. 
And it says, lastly, a class action lawsuit against Dominion Voting Machines or DVS shows on page 29 information that in Georgia, U.S. District Judge Amy Tottenberg issued an order concerning DVS security issues. She found the risk to be neither hep- neither hypothetical nor remote. Oh. So that, that's, let's, let's move on, though. Let's talk about some other election news. This is from Just the News. It's John Solomon's outfit. And the only reason why I archived it is because they have the videos like this pop up. I hate that shit. But it says, Dr. Oz wins Pennsylvania primary recount. Oh, goody. It says the Trump-endorsed candidate waited more than three weeks to find out these results, too. Yeah, it sounds like the elections were working great. We got to wait three weeks for the results. Like it's fucking 1840. But this is from Madeline Hubbard, and it says, Dr. Mehmet Oz is Pennsylvania's Republican candidate for U.S. Senate following a recount that ended Wednesday, showing he beat businessman David McCormick by fewer than a thousand votes. Oz, whom former President Donald Trump endorsed, I guess that made the difference, will go on to face Pennsylvania Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman this fall. If, if he's, he's alive. alive. Yeah, we reported on that a few weeks ago, right? Where he had that uh, issue. It wasn't related, though, to uh, any of the shots that he was pushing on the people, I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, and ironically, they never even released the information. He was in the hospital before the oh, vote yeah, took place. because you, you want to vote for a dead guy. <laughs> but if you're a dead mm-hmm. guy voting for a dead guy, aren't you just voting your own ironic. party? <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, it's amazing how many dead people vote. Fucking Beetlejuice is going to run next next election at this point where we're going, you know, just you know, don't lose that book. It's important. Um, but it says McCormick conceded to Oz last week, but the recount determined that the celebrity doctor beat McCormick by 951 votes. That's how thin of a margin that was. Now, I know that there's a lot of people here that aren't going to be a fan of Dr. Oz. Um, maybe they, they were, you know, but it's just if, if you're going to participate in this you know 951 that's the thinnest fucking margin ever there's more how to there's more than 951 people maybe at your local walmart right now (laughs) like there's that's how little of a number that really is so if you think that it's insignificant when these shit when these things shift like when they talk about like you mentioned before brilliantly john henry you talked about 2000 mules is that you think that a couple extra ballots being stuffed in a box makes a difference fuck yeah it makes a difference I mean, how, how easily could you stuff 951 pieces of paper in multiple boxes all around a county? You could do that in a night, couldn't you? You could do it with one person. Sure can. Yeah. 951, you could have a newspaper delivery guy on his on, on a side gig doing this. And some of them probably did. Fucking Uber Eats yeah, driver. absolutely. Now it says, Oz said he is tremendously grateful for McCormick's support in a statement Friday and that the Pennsylvania race is likely to be instrumental in determining which party and this is why I wanted to end with this on this on this note. Ooh, which party controls part matters. the Senate after the midterms? Yeah, because if you think that the Republicans are going to be able to stand up and get shit done in general, you might be pushing it a little hard there. But also, if you think that they're going to do anything as the minority, haven't we learned from the past several years that they're just going to stand by and just let the fucking Democrats railroad us like straight to hell? Like, haven't things gotten bad enough? Haven't we learned that, yes, we should have control of the Senate, even if it's not the people that are our favorites, at least they're like somewhat of a doorstop. So the door door doesn't hit you in the face. You know, it was uh, interesting. I was watching a a clip of um, AOC being interviewed on CNN and the uh, 
interviewer asked her if she was going to endorse Joe Biden now that he has stated he'll be running again in 2024. And, um, she wouldn't answer the question. She basically no. said no, uh, because their concern is more the house and more concerned yes. with the midterms. So they didn't even fucking no. care. And I don't necessarily think that that was her, you know, saying no, but we obviously know she's just a fucking meat puppet and, you know, came from selling hot dogs and fucking jello shots to, uh, trying to burn down yeah. the world. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see their attention on that. So, you know, everybody understands the absolute importance of what's taking place here with all these votes guys. And, you know, going back to what number six was saying, you know, it's a thin enough margin, right? On the other side of it, there's certainly going to be an anticipation of cheating. Uh, I think I'll I'll Mm -hmm. speak for myself and say that I assume that there's going to be some dirty shit happening. Um, but the only way to really secure that win is, I mean, we have to just overwhelmingly fucking smash the Democrats yep, with our votes. So you need to get out there and vote. So everybody in your family that's, you know, that, you know, that they lean towards the right side, but they're kind of neutral. You know, I think about my dad, he's, you know, there's nobody even worth voting for. Well, to not vote is a vote. So in that particular election, you know, a thousand people that were would have voted for the other guy, right? Just, but in, instead, you know, it doesn't even matter. I'm not doing it. Well, yeah. it does matter. It really does matter. So it's it's utterly important. Well, it's the same as vote. identity theft too, in a sense, because if he doesn't vote, somebody probably is going to vote for him. The way this shit was has been working. Well, we know that <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. a couple times. So now moving on, speaking about voting and not even being given a chance to vote for this person, Robbie Starbuck was forced out of Tennessee congressional race by state supreme court. This is from uh, the Post Millennial. It says uh, Starbuck uh, believes his best chance for election is to run as a write-in candidate. Uh, they never really do all that well. Now it's based on name recognition, a lot of it, and his last name is Starbuck, but it doesn't have the S on it. So maybe if it was, his last name was Starbucks, people would be like, "I like the coffee," and they'd vote for that because people really do vote for dumb shit like that. They vote based on name recognition, folks. It's a, it's a sad thing, but it's true. Uh, it says uh, something he intends to do now. The uh, Robert Starbuck has lost his struggle against the Republican Party in Tennessee. Starbuck, a former candidate for Tennessee's 5th Congressional District, has been removed from the ballot following a decision from the state Supreme Court vacating a lower court's preliminary injunction. And it says here, a tweet from Robbie uh, in the article, a very sad day for Tennessee voters who will be disenfranchised by today's Tennessee Supreme Court decision to overturn the state court's order to keep me on the ballot. As a result, my name has been removed from the ballot. The precedent this sets is shocking. Now, he gives a statement there that I'm not going to read through entirely, but it says, uh, seeing no way to challenge the court's findings or to fight the state's GOP's decision preventing him from running as a Republican, Starbuck believes his best chance for election is to run as a write-in candidate, something he intends to do as it's set up top. And now in quotes, it says, unfortunately, there's not a higher court I can take it to. I can't appeal this to the Supreme Court. The Republican Party has contended that I'm not a Republican in their eyes. And this is what disqualified him, folks. This is the, the shocking thing, is that he's running as a Republican. He was a Trump, he's going to go on to say here in the article, too, that he's like a Trump MAGA type of supporter. And we just read you something that Dr. Oz got in there and he had a Trump endorsement. But no, this person was kicked out, essentially, of being able to run as a Republican because they didn't view him as one. 
Wow. Okay. And now it also says Starbuck told the post-millennial the only real option is to uh, is run as a write-in campaign. But when the Republican Party State Executive Committee concluded Starbuck did not meet the qualifications to run as a Republican candidate, Starbuck protested the decision. In a legal battle waged by the Davidson County Ch- uh, Chancery Court, Starbuck contended his name had been improperly removed from consideration by way of a closed-door decision running counter to the Tennessee Open Meetings Act, or TOMA. For a time, his efforts placed him back in the race as the Davidson County Court sided with Starbuck through an injunction. But the Supreme Court forced him out of contention again when it ruled TOMA did not apply. And this is the shit that they did last election, man. So much of this, they're like, oh, well, you didn't file it soon enough, or you didn't, you, they, they say that you don't have damages yet, so you can't file yet. And then when you filed afterwards for damages, they were like, oh, well, you should have filed yesterday. You know, they always have some sort of, some form of excuse here. But it says that the TOMA didn't apply to the Republican Party State Executive Committee. The committee, the court said, wasn't a governing body. <laughs> well, then what are they? If they're not the Republican Party of Tennessee and they're not a governing body, what the fuck are they? Are they just a corporation in, in, in search of uh, money and power that we grant to them? Are they just a mafia? Are they? Is this just a racket as defined by the law, it says, and was therefore exempt from its requirements? So, and this from uh, Steve Cavendish says, Skoden reverses uh, the lower courts, kicks Robbie Starbuck off the ballot. The opinion from Justice Bivens States state parties are not subject to Tennessee Open Meetings Act. This was reversed in close to record time. So they weren't having any of it. I wonder what's so dangerous about Robbie Starbuck. I've never really heard that much about the dude. I know his name. Um, Tim Poles talked about him a couple times. I think maybe he was on the show uh, with Tim Cassarrell or something, but nothing really, you know, nothing really. Stands out to me, I guess. Well, moving on. Uh, This is from uh, the Conservative Institute uh, that the FBI has arrested a a, a, a Republican candidate, go figure, seeking to unseat Gretchen Whitmer over January 6th involvement. This is from June 10th. It says the FBI raided the home of a Republican candidate seeking to unseat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and threw him in handcuffs over his involvement in the January 6th Capitol protest. Now, it says the arrest of real estate agent Ryan Kelly came hours before the Democratic Party put on a made-for-TV primetime spectacle about the so-called insurrection, which was entrapment, uh, Bridge, Michigan reported. And we're going to talk about that next, folks. Don't you worry. Uh, FBI arrest Republican candidate over January 6th involvement. It says here, Kelly never entered the Capitol, but he was charged with misdemeanors, misdemeanors, sorry, uh, for disorderly conduct, entering restricted grounds, damaging U.S. property. Why? By stepping on the carpet, they don't say what he damaged, and knowingly engaging in any act of physical violence against a person or property on restricted grounds. His campaign called Kelly a political prisoner in a Facebook post. I wonder if that still stands or if Facebook took it down because it's misleading or misinformation. Huh, I bet. And it says the arrest could further narrow the field of potential Republican challengers to Whitmer. You know, the ones that the FBI <laughs> set people up to help get over. That's the thing. The FBI was involved in a bogus plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, right? 
And they're the same entity that's arresting this guy. <laughs> I love it. But it also says the FBI got its first tip about Kelly just days after the January 6, 2021 riot. But they did not arrest him until hours before Democrats kicked off their insurrection hearings Thursday night. You think that the timing had anything to do with it? <laughs> do you think they're just going after people now? Hell, I even have my suspicions because we had an episode of ours pulled, John Henry, episode seven that we did way back in fucking November. And this was before we were able to even show our evidence on screen and stuff like we do now. But it was just us talking about this shit with uh, January 6th, and we talked about some COVID stuff too, like we always do, and then YouTube pulled that this past week. Why this past week? Oh, because it's all coordinated with the January 6th bullshit that they're rolling out now. And this is their midterm strategy that we're going to talk about too during this show. Now, it says Kelly's primary rivals were skeptical of the timing of the raid. They should be. With conservative commentator Tudor Dixon tweeting, are we expected to believe the corrupt, and I'm glad he says it, the corrupt FBI happened to schedule a raid on Ryan Kelly's home the same day of the J6 production in D.C.? The Michigan GOP's co-chair, uh, Ron Weiser, blasted Democrats for weaponizing our judicial system, damn right they are, in an unprecedented way against their political opponents. Co-chair Michonne Maddock likewise asked, do people really get their homes raided and arrested in front of their children over a misdemeanor? <laughs> Sounds like they went a little bit overboard, huh? And then also it says uh, gloating Democrats here embrace, of course they do, Stalinist methods. Well, they're all on the same side of the coin, so uh, really not that far away from Stalin, really. But it says Democrats were absolutely ecstatic about the arrest. However, Michigan's far-left Attorney General Dana Nessel uh, shared a message mocking Kelly and Michigan Republicans as domestic terrorists. All right, so even if this guy committed a couple of misdemeanors. Hey, do you think that's one of the Soros and uh, certain yep, AGs? That we'd have to look into. Dana Nessel, they would have to look up some things like, yeah. <laughs> Let me check that out. Uh, but it, it goes on to say, with a photo of the candidate outside the courthouse. It also said Kelly gained notoriety for protesting Whitmer's COVID lockdowns. All right, I like this guy. And the removal of a Confederate statue. Yeah, because iconoclasm is bad. It usually comes with the fall of civilizations. And uh, I bet you Silas Guthier would have something to say about that. You know, he wrote a book about it. Uh, removal of the Confederate statue from his hometown, Bridge, Michigan, reported. His arrest appears to be just the latest example. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just a real quick little blip here from last year. The uh, Michigan constitutional attorney who represented a plaintiff in the Antrim County election fraud case announced on Wednesday that he will challenge George Soros-backed attorney general Dana <laughs> Nessel for her post in 2022. Uh, shriveled nutsack face makes his appearance in the episode, <laughs> folks. Boy, that took wow. Long to we find need to out. start working with like draft can Like, I don't really, I don't really condone gambling. And 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 you know, if you if you like gambling out there, if you like playing the lottery and other shit out there, I'm not going to get on your case about it, man. It's just not my thing. But if we worked with DraftKings like every episode, right? <laughs> to like try and have people bet on whether or not or when at least we were going to say the names like George Soros or Bill Gates or something like that, man. You imagine the brackets that we could do. But it says the FBI last week put Trump ally Peter Navarro in leg irons and charged him with contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with the Democratic Party's January 6th show trial. 
Steve Bannon is also facing charges. Uh, but I think he's doing that kind of on purpose to get them to do some sort of disclosure, right? And it says, uh, questions linger over what role federal informants played in the Capitol riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBI has also come under scrutiny for its role in the so-called plot, and this is what I mentioned before, to kidnap Whitmer in 2020. The Democrats blamed on right-wing, extre- right-wing extremists, and two of the men accused were recently acquitted over evidence of entrapment. So, yes, that was entrapment, and so was January 6th. So, but that that wraps up the election stuff for right now. John Henry, do you have anything to add? Hey, uh, can I touch on something, please? I just want to go uh, read through something really quick here, folks. This is Robbie Starbucks' campaign website, and this is his Why Am I Running? For too long, the elite have forgotten what issues really matter to everyday people. We need a conservative voice for working people and their families. My family fled Marxism in Cuba as it swept through the country like wildfire, burning down everything it touched. We face a similar Marxist threat from the woke ideology that's poisoning our colleges, our media, and our entertainment. I can't stand by and watch the country I love fall the way my mom had to watch Cuba fall to Marxism. I'll fight to stop the destruction of our economy via the Democrats' spending plans that are producing record inflation. I'll fight to end mandates and return your freedom back to you. I'll fight to ensure you aren't censored online. I'll fight to ensure your parental rights are protected. I'll fight for clean bills in Congress. I'll fight for our state and local businesses. I'll fight to keep critical race theory out of our schools. I'll fight for a future where our kids are judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. I'll fight the defund the police movement. I'll fight for our police and supporting more funding for them. I'll fight the mass illegal immigration crisis and protect our border. I'll fight all of the Marxist forces that want to destroy our way of life and our unique American identity. In short, I will fight for common sense and American values. Well, I think that about sums up why they wanted to blow his ass yeah. out of the can. I, I was going to say, like, it doesn't sound like I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with the Tennessee uh, uh, Republican uh, Party now that maybe he's not a Republican. Maybe he's just a fucking American. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's one of us. <laughs> there you and, all, and all of you listening out there that want truth and liberty and want fucking freedom in this country. Maybe maybe he's one of us and not one of those shit con fucking Republicans. And we're glad to have him. So if you're in Tennessee and you, and you have the opportunity to write in a vote for this guy, maybe you should. You know, I'm not going to tell you that yeah, you absolutely have to, but maybe you should look into it a little bit more, especially after hearing that, John Henry. So thank you. Um, thank you for adding that. Yes, um, so let's move on. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to this person. And I listened to a lot of his stuff in the past, too. He's been great about COVID and plenty of other things, especially with reporting on all the crazy shit going on up in Canada. But uh, this is from... Um, Viva Fry, uh, the YouTube chicanery and January 6th buffoonery and more mystery uh, live. But I listened to this the other day and it gave me so many different stories to talk about when it comes to the January 6th uh, trials, because I did not subject myself to sitting down and watching all of that. Now, uh, I will we'll give a quick shout out to, I didn't include him in, in the source list here, but I have to give a shout out to Hard Bastard because he's helped me get through just those things in the past because he makes fun of it and shits on it. Barely anybody watched yeah, that shit. It's so rough. Just so you it's know. so rough. But I heard that Benny Johnson, like he called himself to, to testify and then just bloviated for like 90 seconds and then asked himself a question and then answered it. Like I heard there's just some weird weird shit going on and of course just like the other impeachment trials and all the other bullshit that they've done they don't present any evidence they just launch accusations and then the evidence they do present their evidence is other people's accusations (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch it. From what I understand, all they did was smash Trump and all the Republicans and conservatives. Yeah, the whole just all time. domestic terrorists. It was basically just character yeah. assassination. No actual proof or evidence. Kangaroo court. You know, Pelosi not being held accountable. It's just Show grotesque. trial. Oh, quick update. Speaking of Pelosi. So, folks, on uh, the News Prisoner, I did talk about how they said that there was no dash cam or body cam footage of uh, Paul Pelosi being arrested. I have an update for you. They are refusing to release that footage. So, there is, in fact, footage from his uh, accident in subsequent DUI, but uh, California State Patrol is refusing to release that. Yeah, thanks thanks for being so helpful, California State Patrol. You're really standing up for the people, really protecting us all. Um, so let's move on to speaking of that, uh, Pelosi's court. This is a little piece from Jonathan, Jonathan Turley. Now, some of the, this is an opinion piece. Hold yes. on a second. I'm just thinking about him being all fucked up going, you know who I am. My wife's a demon. that'll rip your soul out of your ass. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> She's fucking evil. She's a bitch has yes. wings. It's pretty. <laughs> Do you you want my wife to fly into your children's windows and dismember them? She's capable of that. What was that that movie where that happens, actually? It was uh, Tales from the Dark Side, I believe. Speaking of like old school horror movies, man, we're going on a run here with those this this episode. But yeah. Um, Yes. We're living in one. Absolutely. (laughs) And and this kind of details some of it. Now, I don't agree with every statement that he makes in this, too. I think he gets a little too like in the middle with it or trying to like kind of placate the other side. But. It says, uh, Pelosi's court, how the January 6th committee undermined its own legitimacy. So, Jonathan Turley, here it goes. It says, in 1924, Lord Gordon Hewitt famously declared, justice should not only be done, but should manifestly and undoubtedly be seen to be done. The Lord Chief Justice of England, he believed that even a small allegation of possible bias by a court clerk meant justice was not seen to be done and thus was not done. Lord Hewitt's quote came to mind while watching the opening night of the House's January 6th Select Committee public hearings. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi decided a year ago to break from tradition and blocked two Republican committee members selected by GOP leaders in response. House uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, pulled his other committee nominees and Pelosi then seated two staunchly anti-Trump Republicans. Representatives and shit cons, both Liz Cheney from Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. So basically every bad decision or every bad vote that has come through in the past couple years now um, has been from these fucking guys. So, yeah, they're they're definitely going to they're definitely going to side on the side of truth and justice there. Right. Uh, Congress has a long history of bipartisan investigation investigatory and select committees. Many were formed during deep political rifts. Yet, for 230 years, Congress maintained the need for bipartisan membership. That was the case with the Watergate Committees, the House Committee on Assassinations, the Special Committee to Investigate the National Defense Program, the House Select Committee to Investigate Covert covert Arms Transactions and Other Investigations. It would have been easy to stack the decks and limit the members by party on each of those committees. But past congressional leaders understood that the credibility of such investigations required balance, including opposing views. Pelosi's decision to gut that process was something of a signature muscle play, 
As a witness in the first Trump impeachment, I was highly critical of her insistence that the House would impeach before Christmas, rather than conduct the traditional impeachment investigation with witnesses. Instead of building a more convincing case, Pelosi preferred to impeach with virtually no record for a certain defeat in the Senate. In the Senate, in the second impeachment, <laughs> she went one better. She held no hearing at all and pushed through the first snap impeachment. The January 6th committee was similar, uh, similarly stripped of any pretense. It was as subtle a political move as Pelosi's ripping up President Trump's State of the Union speech. Asked what she hoped to achieve from the committee on the first day of hearings, Pelosi tellingly referred to it as a narrative. Wow. It is the difference between seeing and simulating justice, Turley says. According to the New York Times, which is garbage, that narrative is meant to recast the midterm message and give Democrats a platform for making a broader case about why they deserve to stay in power. So it is. It's all about power. It has nothing to do with truth, reality, or who's guilty of what. Now, also, it says it was packaged with the help of a high-powered media figure brought in to help stage the event. Much of the media touted how the hearings would be must-see TV and would force voters not to look away from Trump's coup. Countervailing uh, evidence was edited out. Yes, it was. Uh, I heard about the videos there being edited of, of certain things that happened that day. And it says, thus, Trump was shown calling for the protesters to march on the Capitol, but not his additional words to do so peacefully. You know, because that would have mattered, right? When you're trying to form somebody's opinion, give them the whole fucking story. Well, they can't do that. Well, why can't they do that? Because what they're trying to sell you on is bullshit. Now, it also goes on to say that with uh, that withheld line from Trump would hardly have exonerated the former president. And this is where I start to disagree a little bit with uh, Mr. Turley here, uh, respectfully, though. It says, I publicly condemned Trump's speech while it was being given. I called for a bipartisan vote of censure over his responsibility in the Capitol riot. Responsibility for what? He doesn't say. But going on, he says, the new footage shown by the committee only magnified the revulsion many of us felt in watching this discretion, uh, des I'm sorry, desecration of our capital and our constitutional process. Oh, really? I, I think the constitutional process of, you know, electing people and everything was probably a little bit more important than how people acted up that day. But however, such one-sided accounts rob these proceedings of a sense of authenticity and authority. However, they deliver precisely what Pelosi demands, Politics unburdened by process. Ironically, it is the very same dis, uh, dismissal of process and principle that is often attributed to Trump. Yeah. Now, it says the shame is that it could have been so much more if the committee were balanced and allowed a broader scope of inquiry. For example, the first two witnesses highlighted the ongoing controversy over the failure of Congress to adequately prepare for the riot despite repeated warnings from the executive branch. Capitol Police Officer Carolyn Edwards and Nick Quested, a British documentarian, hmm, wonder if he was sent here from MI6, both noted that the shocking absence of sufficient officers around the Capitol Wow, Quested described hundreds of Proud Boys marching on the Capitol and seeing a single officer at one barricade. Edwards described a handful of officers holding back hundreds of protesters. 
critical anti-riot equipment was not distributed or was affirmatively withheld. Affirmatively withheld. Security objectives were ignored, and even Edwards said of officers were quickly and easily overrun due to lack of support. Wow. You think that Muriel Bowser knew anything about that? You think the Capitol Police were notified? You think that Nancy Pelosi or some of the other people were involved? Oh, well, we can't look into those records and we can't get videos. Well, hell, they're showing us edited videos to incriminate people, which should be against the law, really. Like the, to, to try and bury somebody with uh, edited video when you're not showing that they indeed said to act peacefully. Um, I think that's pretty fucked up. But it goes on to say, four days before the riot, records indicate the Capitol allegedly was asked if it wanted to request National Guard troops, but declined. Yet, the Washington Post and PolitiFact have insisted this is false. Wow. So, what's the problem here? You think that one of the most powerful papers in the country, you know, owned by Jeff Bezos too, who definitely um, donated to Biden and is part of the global corporatist oligarchy and PolitiFact, who are just reeking of shit that they're so full of it. It's coming out of every pore of them, have insisted that that's false. Wow. I think I think I know why. But it says it would be useful to get the full story. Yes, it would. On what decisions were made. But House leaders appear to have curtailed inquiries into the failure to properly uh, staff or equip officers at the scene to erect fencing or to call for the National Guard after the riot erupted. The first hearing looked like an uncontested opening statement in a persona non grata proceeding, a hearing designed to denounce or expel an individual. Much of the evidence was designed to show that Trump repeatedly was told that he lost the election and thus had no good faith basis to challenge the election certification. Well, that's the reason why you don't want to challenge something, right? Like if you believe something occurred, you know, based on evidence that you've been shown, as long as, as, long as somebody told you that what you believe didn't occur, you should just take their, you should just take their word for it, right? You should just be like, oh, well, he told me everything was fine, so I'm just going to accept that. You know, don't be critical of it all. You know, it's just it's just a presidential election. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Now, it also goes on to say, well, many of us exactly said uh, said exactly that two years ago. Moreover, if the effort is to convict Trump of being a narcissistic or craven person, oh, just you know, just yeah, you know, there you go, there you go, Turley. Uh, paint him that way. You hardly need to select committee. Uh, I'm sorry, he says, you hardly need a select committee to make that case to the Democratic base or to much of the rest of America. Mm. So, doesn't not a big Trump fan, this guy, but it says, uh, perhaps the most surprising element in the start of the hearing is the person who is portrayed as the guardian of democracy, former Attorney General William Barr. After Democrats called for Barr to be impeached or even criminally charged, he was shown repeatedly as holding the line Against Trump's claims and demands. So he shouts out Barr for doing such a good job. Wow, Turley, you're fucking killing me here, buddy. And it says, for those of us who have defended Barr for years, it was welcome, but weird, uh, but a weird sight to behold. I think he needs to edit that, maybe. Uh, there is considerable evidence that Trump's people planned for a certification challenge, but that was always anticipated. Not long after the election, I wrote about the possibility in what I called the Death Star strategy. It is not a crime to plan such a challenge, even without good cause. See, let me read that again. It is not a crime to plan such a challenge, even without good cause, even though I think he had plenty of good cause, as we've talked about earlier in the show. 
without any direct connection to organizing or supporting the ensuing violence. That would remain a moral, not a legal, failure. Indeed, if opposing views were allowed, then Republicans likely would call for the testimony of committee chairman Benny Thompson, who voted to challenge the certification of the 2004 results of President George W. Bush's re-election. So that motherfucker, he's challenged the certification of another election, but he's, he's just fine. There was nothing wrong with that one. Uh, committee member Jamie Raskin uh, sought to challenge Trump's certification in 2016. Both did so under the very law that Trump's congressional supporters used in 2020. And Pelosi and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin praised the challenge organized by then-Senator Barbara Boxer in 2004. Fucking hypocrites. Fucking disgusting. So that's the January 6th trial. Let's, let's talk about this stuff. A Washington Commanders, right? Remember when they used to be called the Redskins? Well, now they're the Commanders. And guess what they're commanding? Bullshit. Washington Commanders head coach fines defensive coordinator $100,000. Woo! 100 stacks, baby. For comparing January 6th with 2020 riots. Now, here's, here's my thing, John Henry. I think he's wrong in comparing them. Because the death toll of the 2020 BLM riots is way fucking higher than anything they could even invent for January 6th. Absolutely. Absolutely. The death toll, the cause, the, dis- the, 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 the destruction. The, the, I mean, you, you know, the, the financial yes, devastation for business to. owners. Millions and millions and millions and attacks and assaults and rapes and fucking chop and... Chaz and all, you know, it, I mean, just all of this. There is no well, comparison. To them, it's supposed to be good. So, it's supposed to be good that they burned down our cities. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? That's the First Amendment. Well, you can't have one online if you have opposing opinions. But if you want to, you know, as an example, um, was I looking at today? Actually, I already have this up. You know, here's how loving these people are. Christian Pregnancy Crisis Center set on fire and yeah. <laughs> so that uh that actually came out today that just Portland, happened it's such a fucking shame so these are the people that are the great people standing up for their rights sharing their opinions doing the right thing yeah. but um yeah i mean i think that guy's a dipshit for uh sharing that opinion because i agree with you i yeah, think that's you ridiculous compare the two. but he was actually trying to he was trying to middle it by trying to bring people together which you know he got punished for because you can't even do that these days but it says the Washington Commanders head coach John Rivera announced on Friday that he is fining his defense coordinator, Jack Del Rio, $100,000 for comments comparing the January 6th Capitol riot with violent protests following the murder of George Floyd. Uh, this is from Carolyn Downey, and this is from National Review. So hold on a second. <laughs> Help me navigate yes. this for a moment. If I had an opinion that maybe my boss didn't agree with on what grounds could my boss find me a thousand dollars? Well, it, it goes on to kind of explain what they did here too in a statement. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I didn't read through this yeah. article before the show. And yeah. I would like to uh, understand let's, that. Let's move on. Cause it, it will get to that. I promise. It says Rivera said the financial penalty, the team collects from defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio will be donated. So get this. Not only is he being punished <laughs> to Nancy Pelosi, get the yep, fuck the out United of here. States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. 
created by Congress to support the families of USCP officers killed or injured in the line of duty. And there were none yeah. killed in that and protest. And also it says Del Rio had called the riot a dust up and suggested that the difference in the media coverage of January 6th and the coverage of the riots that occurred after Floyd's murder in May 2020 reflected a double standard. Yes. Agreed. It says, why are we not looking into this is his quote. It says, why are we not looking into those things? If we're going to talk about it, why aren't we not looking into those things? Del Rio said on Wednesday, I can look at images on the TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Nothing burned down. And we're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have oh, a discussion. That's brilliantly said. I think he summed that yeah. up. Great. <laughs> so, and then really, great. it says Del Rio was defending a, a Monday tweet that read, we'd love to understand the whole story about why the summer of riots, looting, burning, and the destruction of personal property is never discussed, but this is, and he put hashtag common sense. Rivera said he met with Del Rio Friday to express, and this is where it goes in the explanation of how they did this to him. He said that Rivera said he met with Del Rio Friday to express how disappointed I am in his comments, according to a statement. And in quotes, it says, as we saw last night in the hearings. <laughs> so, you know where Rivera is getting his information directly from, right? You know, he's just whatever CNN fucking says or whatever he was watching. He's just going to repeat it as ad nauseum with a surface level understanding of shit. What a fucking ignorant asshole this person is. But it says, as we as we saw last night in the hearings, what happened on the Capitol on January 6, 2021 was an act of domestic terrorism. <laughs> Rivera declared this. This is the what? This is the coach. This is the owner. What, what the fuck? And it says, a, a group of citizens attempted to overturn the results of a free and fair election. And as a result, lives were lost and the Capitol building was damaged. Doesn't really mention, Ash mention Ashley Babbitt getting shot in the fucking neck, does he? Doesn't give a shit about that. Then it says, on Thursday night, the House of Representatives January 6th Committee held a primetime hearing on the Capitol riot. Yes, we know. And it says, Rivera asserted that the Washington commanders do not believe the Black Lives Matter unrest that ravaged cities across the country in summer 2020 is remotely comparable to January 6. He has in quotes, I want to make it clear that our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6 who sought to topple our government. Who sought, he says, to topple our government. Was it the election being stolen toppling the government? Wasn't a coup against the fucking president that was coordinated between the media and, and you know, tech companies and, yeah, whatever. It was, wasn't that toppling the government? So here's what's interesting. Because, you know, $100,000 is a oh, lot yeah. of money. Uh, looks like on average, um, it's about 600000 wow. a year. So a sixth <laughs> of his income is what you're saying. Yeah. Just, not no, that's it's not okay. okay but, but it disappears overnight because of a, a tweet. An opinion tweet, you know, one one that's actually pretty fair fucking minded, like you pointed out, John Henry too. And well, and said. may have not gone far <laughs> well enough. Comprised. You know, like we would have went a hell of a lot further. That's probably why we're buried on Twitter. But 
<laughs> it's one of the many reasons. <laughs> That's why nobody gets nobody to hear gets our to opinions. Yes. So like, share, yes, and subscribe, please everybody. Please do. But it says Del Rio issued an apology. Now, here's where you went bad. It says Del Rio issued no. an apology statement Wednesday while doubling down on the sentiment that he and all Americans should only accept peaceful protest. It said, uh, in quotes, I made comments earlier today in referencing the attack that took place on January 6th. Now well, it's an now attack. Now it's an attack, yep, not a yep. dust-up. And then it said, referencing that situation as a dust-up was irresponsible and negligent, and I am sorry, he said. I stand by my comments condemning violence in communities across the country, which I'm glad he, yeah, I'm glad he said Good that. And I say that while also expressing support as an American citizen for peaceful protests in our country. Yeah. Don't we all? That's well, well, no, 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 we don't. Well, all of us, because yeah. there's a lot of people that condone of violent course, protests. Yeah. Of course they do. But I mean, I, when it comes down to it, folks, don't apologize. Don't cave. Yep. Tell, tell these organizations to get fucked and leave. You know, there, there's other football teams out there, and maybe ones that aren't you know shit like this ones. And if you're a fan of this football organization or franchise, and you're listening to this program, um, maybe give them some shit. I think that's much deserved. You know, give them some shit. Uh, you know, fuck them. But anyway, uh, let's, here's another one that I pulled from Jonathan Turley. You know, this is going in a completely different direction because of what we just read. This I wanted to bring up because of how fucking insane it is that we have a defensive coordinator <laughs> losing $100,000 over a fucking tweet of just comparing things to other things. Not, it might not even have been a good comparison, you could say. But this one. New York attorneys accused of firebombing a police car are given a generous plea deal. Oh, wow. So you mean if you're on that political side, you could just do whatever the fuck you want, including violence. And it's just, it's just okay. It says, we previously discussed the case of attorneys uh, Colinford Mattis and Aruj Rahman, who were accused of throwing a Molotov cocktail into a police vehicle in New York. They were facing domestic terrorism charges. You know, you know how we're all domestic terrorists? These people are throwing fucking Molotov cocktails in the cop cars. <laughs> That's a little bit different than just talking about shit, isn't it? But also it says, and the possibility of 30 years in jail, which, I mean, yeah. Now it says this week, the Biden administration agreed to a massive reduction of the charges in a plea agreement that will likely result only in a couple years of jail time. Now, mind you folks, going back to January 6th, you have people being held that aren't even charged yet in solitary confinement. Political prisoners. But we yeah, are, had a massive yeah. reduction from and the you administration. Think, like, if you're not being held in solitary confinement right now for being you know swept up in the Jan- January 6th hoopla, if you will, I'll call it a hoopla, maybe they'll, they'll find me for that one. Uh, but you know, even if you're not one of those people, if you can't even fucking talk about it, are you a free person anymore? Like, uh, you can't even work for an organization because if they just want to align themselves with the Democrats and you say something otherwise on Twitter that you lose your income, is that not the uh, so, is that the, not the uh, uh, fucking uh, uh, social credit scores and, and, and the New World Order, the, the GCO that we talk about all the time on this show being unraveled in, in front of us, being laid out there? That's the social credit score, folks. If you don't get with the program and repeat that January 6th was the worst thing that happened since 9-11 and that all the people there were domestic terrorists and Donald Trump should be hung as a traitor for what he did. If you're not down with that, get ready to lose your job. Get ready to lose your income. Get ready to get kicked off of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Because they're all aligned with one another. And why is that? 
Well, is it over money and power? Is it to force us into doing certain things? Well, who knows? Well, let's move on. It says, um, the administration agreed to that plea deal. And after that, it says, what is particularly bizarre is that the plea agreement reduces an earlier plea agreement for a more serious offense. The plea deal by the Justice Department, which is a misnomer at this point, is a breathtaking reduction in the charges and expected sentencing of the two lawyers. Earlier, some of us were surprised that U.S. District Court Judge Margot Brody upheld the $250,000 bail determination of the U.S. Magistrate Judge Stephen Gold. Uh, prosecutors presented evidence that the two attorneys were trying to distribute Molotov cocktails. So, yes, not only were they throwing them into cop cars, they were giving them the other people to burn other people's shit down. Great. And suggested that Mattis did not appear rational. <laughs> really? The United States Court of Appeals for the Second uh, Circuit reversed Judge Brody and the two attorneys were sent back to jail. Rahman's bail was paid for by a friend and fellow attorney, Salma Rizvi, who served in the Defense Department and State Department. Now, here's another one for you, John Henry. State Department. Who owns a lot of people in the State Department? Hmm. Does he have a nutsack for a face that's all shriveled up? Yes, he does. George Soros. I wonder if there's a Soros connection there. Yeah, I'd like to know how long they were friends for. What's their history yeah, of friendship? Best buddies. <laughs> Known each other forever. Mm-hmm. And it says... Uh, oh, wait, wait. Yeah. And, during and the was, Obama you know, administration. <laughs> Salma, yeah, Salma Rizvi served in the Defense Department and State Department during the Obama administration. Gosh darn it. Isn't that something? What Bailing out domestic terrorists, former members of the State Department and Defense Department. Doesn't that just make... Doesn't that sit just great in your stomach? Doesn't that make you feel... Confident. Like, how do they already make a plea deal and then get to make oh, yeah. another plea deal? And there's supposed to be no, there's there's absolutely no favoritism in these departments whatsoever, right? <laughs> They're bailing out people mm. that set shit on fire with Molotov cocktails. No favoritism whatsoever. They would let us rot in jail. If we stepped on a Capitol policeman's toe, they would throw us in jail for fucking forever and call us terrorists. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. It says, notably, Rahman and Mattis pleaded guilty last year to one count of possessing and making an explosive device, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. Now, however, they will be allowed to withdraw the earlier plea and instead plead guilty to conspiring to assemble the Molotov cocktail and damage the New York uh, Police State Department patrol car. That is a nosebleed of a drop in the severity and punishment for this violent attack, it says. Now, he also goes on to say, Turley, it is a sharp contrast to the harsh position taken by the Biden Justice Department on many of those accused of rioting on January 6th. Attorney General Merrick Garland, oh, one of our favorites here, uh, cited the threat to police officers in pledging an unprecedented effort to charge and convict those involved on any level in the riot. So there, there's, your, there's your two uh, justice systems there for you folks. There's our two countries that you have uh, conspiring to assemble the Molotov cocktail and damage the New York Police Department patrol car does not quite capture what those two attorneys did during the violent riot in New York. Rahman was caught on video throwing the firebomb and then fleeing the scene. And Colin Mattis was accused of having a store of firebombs in his vehicle and was videotaped as he attempted to hand them out to other rioters to fuel further violence. So the question is, are they going to lose their law licenses? 
Are they going to be like members of the Weather Underground? Underground who then became, you know, attorneys and uh, college professors. I just recently noticed we have a sponsorship by Geico there, John Henry. Got got a, got a visitor there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. Small co-host. You know, in, uh, in, on the uh, the News Prisoner, when I talked about uh, Chesa, the um, attorney general that was uh, tossed out in California, one of the things I didn't mention was both of his parents were members of the Weather Underground. Both of his parents were real domestic Absolutely. terrorists, and he became an attorney general. Yeah, just in California. like Bill Ayers that launched Obama's uh, political career too, mm-hmm. another domestic terrorist there. And he was allowed he was allowed to be a teacher and be involved in Department mm-hmm. of Education and teach kids after all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. another great organization there, the education there. But uh, does not seem the type of suspects who would ordinarily garner deep sympathy from prosecutors. Yet the Biden administration walked back the charges unraveling the early earlier plea to a lesser offense and told the court that the earlier charges would have resulted in excessive sentencing for the attorneys. Instead, they are supporting a maximum sentence of five years with a recommendation of between 18 to 24 months of imprisonment. So it'll end up being yeah, time served. Time served. Just like uh, all of our pals involved in the uh, Hillary Clinton uh, coup bullshit, you know, the Russiagate stuff, too. You know, all of this time. So, like, the, the lawyer, uh, what, what the fuck? It wasn't Sussman, but, um, oh, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. Uh, but, yeah, the, the lawyer that they had up, they just they, they suspended his uh, law license and everything. But they counted that the time in between the trial and their decision that they counted that, too. So his time was served. Yeah. Yeah. They always like pulling that kind of bullshit. Maybe that name will come to me eventually, but let's move on. It says, Attorney General Garland just last month honored law enforcement killed in the line of duty. This plea agreement is likely to infuriate many of those families. Uh, it should, uh, given strength of the case and the severity of the conduct. These two attorneys were participating in an effort that could have burned officers alive as a form of protest. They will now be given sentences closer to tax fraud than terrorism. So, I think I'm pretty much done with this article here, but... Yeah, that's just 18 to 24 months. Like you said, John Henry, there's, there's been people in prison from January 6th that just pretty much as long as that, or they will be, you know, not longer. So um, now let's move on to this. The Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> DHS has warned uh, that the Uvalde copycat in a bulletin uh, on its... De- and it's a warning about domestic extremism. So we already know that the Department of Homeland Security is full of shit with this domestic extremism stuff, the white supremacy stuff that they're pushing. It all ties into the same narrative, the same platform, the same alignment with both the news media, the corporations in our country um, and abroad, and um, and just basically everything that we're, we're combating in this world, in the global corporatist oligarchy. But this is from the New York Post by Mark Lynn uh, Lungarillo. Uh, but it says, the Department of Homeland Security warned Tuesday that online extremists are calling for a copycat of all-day Texas school attack as the agency braces for potential violence set off by major events over the next six months. The Robb Elementary School massacre, which saw an 18-year-old gunman armed with an AR-15 style rifle kill 19 children and two teachers, is also a focus of disinformation and conspiracy theories, the DHS said in its latest National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin. Well, what, what are those? Does it say? I bet you they won't say. 
But also it says individuals in online forums, and quotes, that routinely promulgate domestic violent extremism and conspiracy-laden content. That's us. <laughs> They're naming us here, basically. Uh, have praised the May 2022 shooting at elementary school. <sighs> Who? That's what I want to fucking know. Who is praising this? I, I, I listen to all kinds of shit. And I mean all kinds of shit. And I haven't heard a single person praise this fucking shooting. Do they show any evidence, though? Of course not. It's, it's only the you know, Department of Homeland Security. Why, why would they have any evidence for their accusations? But it, it, just to read it again, individuals in online forums that routinely promulgate domestic violent extremism. Now, we may promote some form of extremism. You could say that as far as like you know, being subjective, right? But we never talk about violence. And nobody, and I mean nobody, and I'll say it again, has in the conspiracy or truth or community, if I heard, uh, of all the conspiracy-laden content that I listen to, have praised the May 2022 uh, shooting, as it claims here, at elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, and encouraged copycat attacks. I've heard none of that, the bulletin said. Now, it may exist. Who the fuck knows? But I, they don't cite it, so I don't know where. Now, it says, in quotes, others have seized on the event to attempt to spread disinformation and incite grievances. What? Incite grievances? Well, yes. Like, having the police defend your children if they're being shot at because they're not allowed to arm themselves, are they? They're not allowed to shoot back. So you mean to tell me if somebody shoots at me, I'm not allowed to return fire? It can only be your government goons? And then after, I, after we do that, after we say, yes, only the government goons can protect the schools, and then they don't do their fucking job, what else do you expect us to do besides incite grievances, you assholes? But also it says, including claims, it was a government stage event meant to advance gun control measures. Well, why didn't the fucking door lock then? Well, we'll get on to that. It says, events like the November midterm elections and the U.S. Supreme Court's anticipated overturning of abortion rights ruling Roe versus Wade may be exploited to justify acts of violence against a range of possible target, it says, according to the bulletin that expires November 30th. So what you're saying is, is that the Roe versus Wade decision that, that was leaked is resulting in violence? Well, yeah, we covered that, but it's not coming from our side. It's not coming from this community. No, it's coming from the radical left. It also says in quotes, these targets could include public gatherings, faith-based uh, faith institutions, schools, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel. You mean, you mean like in Portland? <laughs> U.S. critical infrastructure, the media, and perceived ideological opponents, the bulletin said. Wow. Now, it also says uh, the DHS continues to view lone offenders and small extremist groups as the primary threat of mass casualty violence in the U.S. Oh, not Pfizer. <laughs> Which remains in a heightened threat environment, the bulletin said. But foreign adversaries could still look to amplify the disinformation and conspiracy. Yeah, you bet the terrorists are still out there, too, that we need to look out for. You know, the ones that the FBI will make contact with and then just let go. But it says the adversaries could still look to amplify the disinformation and conspiracy theories that are fueling dissent, DHS added. Now, they didn't say, they didn't say anything else after that. They just said that the disinformation and conspiracy theories are fueling dissent. 
Well, isn't that what free speech does? Doesn't that fuel dissent? Doesn't like hearing other people's opinions on shit fuel people to say, no, I won't put up with this anymore? What's ridiculous is lack of compliance and agreeance. You just have to do what you're fucking told. Just like all the other little sheeples, just like all the other fifth boosters and 17 masks and, you know, what anal swabs. Guys, we've said this a million times. The beautiful part of the United States, the U.S. Constitution, is that you can disagree from one another, but still live in harmony. It's okay. Disagreeance is a positive thing. It equates to growth. Progress. Not this bullshit. That says the bulletin outlined what it called a dynamic and complex nature of the threat environment facing the United States, which means that they basically had to come up with a whole network of bullshit (laughs) after violence in Nivalde. The uh, April 2022 attack on the New York City subway system and the racist attack in a Buffalo grocery store last month that left 10 people dead. Disinformation, it says, about current events could reinforce existing personal grievances or ideologies. Hold on a second. (laughs) The the first attack was just an attack and the second one was a racist attack? Difference. Okay, yeah, there's, there's a huge difference in being mm-hmm. shot by a racist and not a racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just want to make sure. <laughs> it says disinformation you know, about current events, like you, like you may hear here, folks, according to the DHS, uh, could reinforce existing personal grievances or ideologies. Well, you know, people hearing shit that they like to hear reinforces that. I don't know. And, and in combination with other factors, could inspire, could. It could. Remember how we talked about last episode, too, that they just basically any type of possibility that's out there of a potential threat, if they could perceive it as one, it deserves all of the funding, all the power and all the firepower and weapons and technology and fucking tasers on drones chasing your kids down the hallways as, as they possibly could stand. Right. But it says could inspire individuals to mobilize to violence. Could. So we're, we're going to do all this based on could. We're going to scare the public and tell them that violence is coming, that it's going to be a summer of death over could. Oh, well. And it says, the memo said, uh, aside from domestic terrorism, adversaries like Russia, China, and Iran could fan the flames to weaken the U.S. position in the global community. Wow. I think China did plenty of that over the past couple of years. And uh, what you motherfuckers are doing in Ukraine right now with our money um, is definitely emboldening Russia to be you know, bigger cunts than maybe they, they, they were in the past, I know. And then Iran, I mean, are we doing anything to stop that? Didn't we reverse the Iran deal during the Trump years and then Biden came in and reversed it again and went back to paying them for terrorism, essentially? Hmm. I wonder if that, I wonder if that sparked any mobilization towards violence by, by giving Iran money and telling them, hey, good job being terrorists. We love you. Please build a nuclear bomb. We love that shit too. Yeah, bring about the 12th Imam. Why don't you? And it says, meanwhile, international groups such as Al-Qaeda continue to be a threat. Sure they are. With the terrorist organization having called for knife and vehicle ramming attacks in America and Europe to avenge the death of group members, DHS said. The threat situation is increasingly dynamic, they say in quotes. Because of a broad range of grievances, a DHS official told reporters ahead of the bulletin's release. For example, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, foreshadowed in a leaked draft decision, could lead to violence from pro-abortion or anti-abortion extremists. Could be either or. I don't know who it would be coming from, but it seems to be that the only place that it has been coming from lately 
has been the pro-abortion side. Wow. And then lastly, it says the bulletin comes as DHS, which was formed after the, of course, September 11th, 2000, what well, says 2011, but it should say 2001 attacks, is undergoing an urgent review of its anti-violence efforts in the wake of the Uvalde and Buffalo shootings, Yahoo News reported Tuesday. So, besides that, we're also, no, we don't want that, A.G. Merrick Garland, again, one of our favorites here, love that guy, says DOJ will examine Uvalde police failure to intervene in mass shooting as 19 students and two teachers were gunned down, but will not launch I say again, will not launch a criminal investigation. This article, John Henry, I got to warn you, this one's pretty fucking disgusting. This is, this is an outright, not just from Merrick Garland, because we know he's a piece of shit, but like the school board and everything, everyone involved here, any responsible fucking adult that was involved in this should be fucking ashamed of themselves. And they should be thrown out of their fucking offices out into the streets, like out on their fucking ass. It says, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced on Thursday the formation of a critical incident review team to examine law enforcement's response to the Uvalde school shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers. The review, which came at the behest of the mayor of Uvalde, will not be a criminal investigation, but will look into the failures of local law enforcement who waited an hour to enter the Robb Elementary School following the massacre. Hold on one second, I'm going to take a drink. Excellent. It says, there is nothing we can do, (laughs) in quotes, there is nothing we can do to undo the pain borne from the survivors, the families of the victims, the community, and the country, Garland said. But, anything after but, folks, but the independence and transparency of the Justice Department. (laughs) He's got to be kidding, right? But the independence and transparency. Of the Justice Department, sure, can go a long way toward assessing, uh, or yes, assessing what happened in Uvalde towards law enforcement response and to give guidance for the future. Wow. Garland added that the team is already investigating in Uvalde and have been assured full cooperation by every level of law enforcement who responded to the shooting. The decision came after it was revealed that the Uvalde Independent School District Chief, Pete Arandondo, incorrectly believed that gunman's uh, bullshit, that that fucking asshole, fuck him, 18, was uh, barricaded inside a room despite desperate calls from students and teachers inside the school that the shooting was ongoing. The delayed response also forced those trapped inside the school to play dead among the bodies of students as the gunman raged while panicked parents took it upon themselves to rush in the building to rescue their kids. And there's a picture of that piece of shit there. And there's a picture of this piece of shit here. There's Aaron Dondo. Yeah. He incorrectly, it says, incorrectly believed. I wonder why. Who knows? We'll never know, probably. So I was reading today that apparently he had left his radio. You're right. It says that here. Actually, in the next one of the next paragraphs, it says Garland said the team will interview survivors of the shooting, families of Valda, uh, uh, Valde School, and law enforcement officials, among others, to build a comprehensive case regarding this, uh, the shooting and police response. He said the review will culminate into a single report outlining the team's findings and recommendations that will be made available to the public. And it said among the members of Garland's team were several law enforcement off officials 
who oversaw investigations into prior mass shootings, and this is one I wanted to bring up too, these people were involved, these several law enforcement officials who oversaw investigations into prior mass shootings, including the 2021 Aurora Theater shooting and the 2016 Orlando nightclub massacre. Wow, they did a great job with those. And as we conduct this review, the Justice Department stands ready to participate and support the bipartisan... That date's no. not correct. Yeah. It wasn't the 2021 Aurora Theater. It was yeah. 2012. Yeah, they, they got that wrong there in the article, for sure. Um, it's how much yeah. they give a fuck. Well, pay real good attention. It says, as we conduct this review, the Justice Department stands ready to participate and support the bipartisan... Gut- See, it, it's all political aim. Yep. Let's go straight yes. to gun safety. Let's go let the not total fucking negligence uh, or a purposeful acts or inaction from these fucking again we are pro first responder and police officers but what happened here was an absolute fucking preventable travesty in many ways maybe not a hundred percent preventable no you know what back that the fuck up yes it would be preventable because there should have been armed security at the school and now we know there was no engagement with that there should have been doors locked not propped open fact period if you live in a fucking shitty neighborhood, you don't leave your front door swing wide open. It was closed. Open. You don't. It just yes. didn't lock like it was supposed to. That That's oh. revealed later in this. Okay, so they didn't lock the yeah, fucking door? Yeah, because the okay. teacher, they, right. people have been like, the, the teacher herself ha- has apparently suffered a lot because of that, because it, they have video footage now proving that the door closed, and they have no explanation, John Henry, just like they have no explanation of why the security cameras around Epstein, all that shit, malfunction they have no explanation yeah, just, how, the locked how does work. he crash this truck shoot at other people just so happen to end up at this school where he's exactly able to get at it. that moment right with with a door that just so I mean, the fucking to be negligence from the police officer the videos of the parents begging for them to go and it's fucking yeah. horrific. horrific they were sacrificed Traumatizing. they were sacrificed I, I believe that of course they were for what for the yep. fucking narrative for this shit for us to go yep. to gun control. that's what it's all about not to enforce schools. Enforce schools. Have them have doors that lock from the inside so that somebody can't come in. So if somebody goes into the school, then the teachers can lock themselves in and they can't get through. That's basically a self-barricading door. Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. make sense. And the other thing it? to read into no, it's uh, this statement that he says here, though, is that he can't wait. He can't fucking wait to confiscate your guns or to make it illegal for you to own one. He can't fucking wait for that to happen. These kind of evil pricks. Folks, I'm not going to go through the same thing that every fucking person with a voice and common sense has yeah. said already. Murder is illegal. People still murder people. Rape is illegal. People still rape people. Assault, same thing. When you look at the confiscation of firearms in places like the UK, places like Australia, the violent crime rate went up like 300%. Yep. Okay? Why? Because removing people's ability to protect themselves makes everybody yep. a victim, potential victim, makes it a target. It's like gun-free zones. Gun-free zones, not good. You don't want to be in a gun-free zone because that means that there's nobody there, whether it's yourself or another uh, you know, freedom-loving citizen of the United States that believes in the Second Amendment and your ability to protect yourself. They're soft targets is what they call them. Fix that part. Fucking fix yeah. that part. I'm sick of hearing about the gun control. And now everything is a mass shooting. But as I said the other day on on the news prisoners, 
Well, the 15 people that were shot on Tuesday of last week, that no. wasn't a mass shooting. They didn't call that a mass shooting. No, but everything else, three people shot here, and all of a sudden you have this flood through the news cycle of everything is a mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting, and what do we do? We go after guns. Ah, the House is going after guns. Senate's going after guns. They're competing on whose bills against guns are going to be better. Yeah. See that shit? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, it, this is the part here where it does say that uh, State Senator Roland Gutierrez. By the way, guys, last thing yeah. before I let him go, and I apologize for interrupting. Mind you, all these people making these decisions on your life and your ability to protect yourself, they're all protected by fucking oh, yeah. guns, guys. To the teeth. All of them. They're all protected Absolutely. by guns. And the biggest security apparatus that ever existed in mankind, nonetheless. You know, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. And you look at like, um, you know, all these environmental restrictions and all the shit going on, yet they just exempted yeah. private jets. I mean, the fucking hypocrisy is insane. Because it's, it's insane. never about what they say. It's about what they really want. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio can put out his movie about global warming and we're going to stand up and cheer for him and give him awards for that because he cares about the environment. Yet he flies on a personal jet to every fucking Even the show. Making of a movie. And everything that goes into making a movie uh, yeah. is going to create more global warming. If you believe that? that that's what creates global warming, it's going to create more than that than any of us. Because it's all for was. show. It's all for show. Every bit of it's for show. Well, it's all fake. It's all manipulation. Well, as you bring that up, though, let's let's read on because it says that uh, State Senator Roland Gutierrez, who's that part that I mentioned, who has publicly criticized law enforcement's response to the mass shooting, revealed Thursday that Aaron Dotto was not carrying a radio during the shooting. It was never informed the children had been calling 911 from inside the building. In quote, said Uvalde PD was uh, the one receiving the 911 calls for 45 minutes while officers were sitting in a hallway, while 19 officers were sitting in a hallway for 45 minutes, Gutierrez said Thursday's at Thursday's press briefing. He said the legislator said the fact that the calls were going to the city police but were not communicated to Arandado was a system failure and claimed that the school police chief was not uh, given all the necessary information when he opted against an immediate confrontation with the shooter. Authorities have not yet disclosed. I like this part. Authorities have not yet disclosed how Aaron Dondo, a Ovalde local, was communicating with other law enforcement officials at the scene. Well, if he doesn't have his radio, what is he using? Telepathy? Like, what were the communication lines? Can we have access to those communication lines? Are there logs? Hell, even is it, can we actually get what those communication lines said? Is there audio recording of those communication lines? I wonder. Or did they use something that can't be tracked like that? I, I wonder if they switched to that for any particular reason, too. But it says, earlier this week, the Uvalde School Board elected, and this is the part that I really threw up in my mouth, and I'm going to try not to again here, because uh, it'd be really hard to clean this windscreen here on this thing uh, if I did that. But it said, earlier this week, the Uvalde School Board elected not to punish Aaron Dondo over the botched response. So, no penalty whatsoever to this person. None whatsoever. And then as we scroll down here, there's plenty of the pictures that we've seen before, um, that these are reposted on this Daily Mail article about the, that's the, uh, the hero mom that went in to save her kids and the other dad that was uh, held back and tased and threatened with arrest or arrested, and then to find out that his you know, daughter had been killed. Uh, but this is a story that we didn't read about, really. It said, survivors hid by dead bodies to avoid shooters' rampage. The teacher, Arnolfo Reyes, who was shot in the back three times, was among the survivors who hid among the bodies of dead students to avoid the shooter. 
Ray told ABC News he will never forgive the police for sitting there and doing nothing for our community during the deadly attack. He says they're cowards. And he said of the officers on the scene, the 17-year veteran teacher said he went to huddle under a table with his student. He turned around to see the shooter standing there, who then let off a burst of fire into the classroom, striking Reyes before he went on to shoot and kill 11 of his students. He told ABC that while seriously injured, he followed his own advice and decided to pretend to be unconscious on the ground as the shooter continued to fire, shooting him again, this time piercing his back and lung. While laying on the ground severely injured, the teacher said he heard uh, that fucking shooter uh, going from classroom to classroom, opening fire and continuing his spree. And during that time, he said he heard police officers outside of his classroom and a student in the classroom next door, room 111, calling out for help. However, he said he thinks the police had left by that time, moving on down the corridor, so he didn't hear the cries for help while the shooter hid behind Reyes's desk. One of the students from the next door classroom was saying, officer, we're in here, we're in here, but they had already left, Reyes said. Now, this is the part, John Henry, that... Um, I, I had to correct you about a, just a little bit because uh, it does say here, and who knows, but it says the police incorrectly blamed teacher for allegedly propping a door open that the government entered through. It says law enforcement officials also face criticism after an initially. Uh, see, I, I don't yeah, mind yeah. you correcting me. No, that's, that's okay. what we do. I mean, it was just, we, we can't know everything and we learn more as we go along. I mean, that's just how the nature of this works. I'm still furious to fuck oh, yeah. the building. And you should be. But However, it's even happened. more infuriating when you when you hear this though. It says that law enforcement officials also face criticism after an initial an, an initial report. Man, they really need an editor on this fucking thing at the Daily uh, Mail here. But it says report claimed that the shooter entered the building by a back door they had said that was propped open by teacher Emilia Marin. Now, remember before they weren't releasing this teacher's name, but now they are apparently because she's innocent. At least according to this account, it says it wasn't until days later that police corrected their statement to confirm that Marin, in fact, closed the door when she saw the 18 year old killer approaching, but that the door did not lock as it was intended to. An attorney for Marin, Don Flannery, told CNN on Friday that those days of blame have left Marin psychologically scarred and seeking neurological treatment. She can't stop shaking, Flannery said. It's traumatic for her when it's insinuated that she's involved. She's heartbroken. Marin was outside the school helping a co-worker bring in food for an end-of-the-year party on May 24th when she saw a car crash, which was a truck, into a ditch across the street. She returned inside to call 911, propping the door open with a rock on the way. When she returned back outside, she saw her co-worker running and heard somebody yell, He's got a gun! That's the picture of her here. And it says, Marin saw the gunman heading towards her and the door, so she kicked the rock, holding it open away, and let it swing shut, where by design, it was supposed to automatically lock. This order of events was confirmed by Travis Considine, Chief Communications Officer of the Texas Department of Public Safety, on May 31st. In quotes, it says, She came back out while on her phone. She heard someone yell, He has a gun. She saw him jump the fence and that he had a gun, so she ran back inside, removing the rock when she did. Considine said during a press conference, in quotes again, we did verify she closed the door, he said. The door did not lock. We know that much, and now investigators are looking into why it did not lock. Well, I wonder, did somebody have access to that? 
Could somebody have had remote access even to something of that nature? Who knows? But let's move on to uh, what's going on in the world of gun control. This is another follow-up to an ongoing topic of discussion on the show. Uh, this one is posted from uh, Louder with Crowder, and this one is under the, the uh, international uh, uh, moniker, but it says, Trudeau tells Canadians they have no right to use guns for self-defense. That is not a right that you have. In quotes. It says, gun control zealots tell gun rights activists we're paranoid about our God-given rights and a government chipping away at them. In response, we have Justin I feel pretty Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, who grants Canadians only the rights he lets them have. Only a few weeks ago, Canada's walking pile of soy and hair goop decided Canadians no longer had a right to own a handgun and that the government was going to make new definitions of what an assault weapon is. That's because in Canada, not only do you not have rights, Trudeau flat out tells you you don't have rights. Now, in quotations from Trudeau, it says guns can be used for hunting or for sports shooting, but you can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That is not a right that you have, either in the Constitution or anywhere else. If you try and buy a gun and you say it's for self-protection, no, you don't get that. Now, he's sort of correct here. And what I mean by sort of correct is when I watched that Viva uh, Fry stream, John Henry, he did mention that in the statutes there about handguns, guns ownership, you cannot claim self-defense or self-protection uh, in the purchasing of, of a gun when you declare what that gun is for. However, in their charter of rights, you know, basically like their constitution, they have a right to life. So if you have a right to life, but you don't have a, a right to return fire when being fired upon, I guess. <laughs> Maybe they didn't really think about that. <laughs> Who knows? But um, scrolling down here, it says Trudeau then goes on to say that is the biggest cultural difference between Canada and America regarding guns. That Americans feel we have the right to self-protection. Because we have the right to self-protection, it says, which I agree with. Yes, we do. And that makes us in the wrong. It is not paranoia to say that Joe Biden or the people who control Joe Biden would pull the same crap if we allowed it. This is the same Joe Biden who says on the regular that Americans don't need handguns, even though independent fact checkers claim he doesn't want to ban handguns. Trudeau, who is ultra commie leftist, who Trudeau is who? ultra-commie leftists in this country would be if they could get away with it. Exhibit Q, I like how he picked that one, is American governors holding joint press conferences with Trudeau and not the American president. You can call it paranoia to say the government is coming for our rights. Not when there are world leaders we share a continent with telling their citizens they don't have any. I thought that was really well written. Really well done. Now let's move on to... Uh, COVID stuff. This one from the Daily Mail as well. Do you have anything to add before we move on, though? I do, which actually um, has to do with COVID oh, okay. and Canada. Because uh, I know we're going to talk in a few minutes about uh, Biden dropping the, uh, the yes. uh, COVID testing for international travel. When you look at what's happening in Canada, I want to remind you of something. In the country of Canada, you still cannot fly or get on a like a public bus system like a Greyhound without being vaccinated and boosted. 
So nothing should shock you in what comes out of Canada yeah. at this point, as far as control over people's lives. So disgusting. So if you live in a different Providence or province uh, away from family, and let's say that your grandmother or you know mother has something terrible happen to them, a car accident, a heart attack, and you are not vaccinated, you can't get on a fucking plane to go be with them. That's how insane Canada is. So for that, I say, fuck you, Justin oh, yeah. Trudeau. And, and any other Canadian parliament member or anything else that would back that bullshit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Rob Ford, fucking crack smoking asshole. Anyway, um, <laughs> this uh, from the Daily Mail. He's much more oh, likable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he, he looks like a nice guy, but it's just like when they put him up there, that, that glare in his party. eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he likes the party. He, he does like the party. Like Bobby Brown back in the day. It says, uh, WHO releases report on COVID origins that suggest bats were to blame, but can't roll out a lab leak because China isn't sharing data on the first wave of infections. Yeah, so that transparency thing, they're doing great with it. Uh, COVID-19 most likely originated with bats transferring the virus to humans, it says the World Health Organization has concluded, but they cannot rule out the lab leak theory because China is not cooperating fully with their researchers. The panel of experts drafted by the WHO uh, to investigate the origins of the pandemic and prepare a framework to investigate future outbreaks on Thursday published its first report. The 44-page document. Wow. We can't get bills that are like <clears throat> less than like thousands of pages long. But COVID-19 origins, 44 fucking pages. And probably double-spaced with margins, too. It's probably like real shit. But anyways, this 44-page document should be... Uh, Read as a work in progress, the panel state. However, their conclusions that COVID likely emerged from bats, but a lab leak cannot be ruled out, will be seized upon. The panel set up in October comprises 26 experts, experts, yay, from around the world, and is called the Scientific Advisory Group for the Origins of Novel Pathogens, or SAGO, just like FAGO, only bullshit. It, it, its work follows a previous WHO China report on COVID-19 and a U.S. intelligence inquiry, both of which pointed towards a natural origin for the pandemic, which I think is also garbage, likely from bats rather than a lab leak. Now, it also says the new report says a zoonotic origin is the most likely explanation for the emergence of the novel coronavirus. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. It says the first human case were reported in December 2019 in the central Chinese city of Wuhan. However, it says that neither of the original animal source, the immediate host, nor the moment the virus crossed over to humans has been identified. And that is chiefly because a lot of the data is missing, the report says, particularly from China. Chinese scientists have provided more information, including on blood samples from 40,000 Chinese donors in Wuhan from September to December 2019 when the pandemic emerged. Well... That does cover the October uh, month in which I believe I first had that shit. But anyways, it says of these, more than 200 samples initially tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 antibodies, the virus causing COVID-19, but conf confirmatory tests were negative, the, China, the Chinese scientist said. The WHO has requested more information on this and on other elements. The panel also said that no further information has been provided on whether the coronavirus may have reached humans via a laboratory accident meaning more data and investigations remained important. It called for a number of studies to be carried out both in China and globally to shed further light on the pandemic's origins. John Henry, are we ever going to know what the fuck happened here? 
Oh, these these people are never going to deliver. We well, do. I mean, we do, but we knew, yes. but no. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Will it be official public yeah. information? No, yeah. of course not. It's awful. And then the fact that we're relying on China for any of this shit, the one that the WHO defended and backed up and said that they did a great fucking job. I remember hearing that shit back in the day and being disgusted with it because I knew then that they weren't doing a good fucking job and that they were lying to us. But anywho, um, let's move on to the next one about COVID. Uh, I pulled this from way, way back. This is from the Capitol News Service. Uh, cnsmaryland.org uh, this is maryland lawmakers move to block fort dietrich biolab shutdown well who is responsible for that but well, says uh, this is from september 27th of 2017 washington lawmakers are fighting to preserve a long-standing research laboratory in frederick maryland after president donald trump's proposed budget for fiscal year 2018 eliminated the facilities funding yes that's right Trump is trying to get rid of some bio labs, maybe through funding and other things, maybe not directly. Who knows? Who knows what he knew about this or if he'll ever be able to tell us, because I'm sure bioterrorism technology and laboratories and things are like tip top secret type of shit, aren't they? Well, we're going to talk about that in the next article. But it says the National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasures Center located at Fort Detrick in Frederick is one of seven facilities of its kind in the country. The $143 million center, which opened in 2010, operates under the Department Department of Homeland Security. That's just a gift that keeps on giving. Thank you, George Bush, you motherfucker. Employs more than 180 people and often assists the FBI. Yes. And law enforcement agencies in investigating bioterrorism and biocrime. Now, Representative John Delaney... Democrat, shocker, from Potomac, also with Maryland Democratic Senators Ben Cardine and Chris Van Hollen, successfully added amendments to a defense. See, this is what they do with these fucking bills, especially when they rope you, they put you over the barrel when it comes to defense. They're like, oh, well, we need all this shit for defense or else, you know, millions of people could die in World War III and all that stuff. This is the kind of shit that they sneak in there. Added amendments, it says, to a defense authorization bill to prevent the center from being immediately shut down. At the end of May, Trump presented a detailed budget to Congress and included a 28% reduction in funding to the Science and Technology Directorate of DHS. The same week, the Frederick Research Center received a letter from DHS stating that the facility's closing procedures should start on October 1st with anticipated decommissioning by September 30th of 2018. It says in quotes, I am concerned that this is part of an ill-advised agenda by the Trump administration. How many times have we heard this from intelligence officials, from people in Congress, from people in the media? I am concerned that this is part of an ill-advised agenda by the Trump administration to reduce investments in actually effective and important parts of our security portfolio in order to pursue a political agenda. Delaney said in a statement, days after Trump presented his budget, In quotes, this looks like they're cutting everything they can to find to pay for a wall alongside the Mexican border. Wow. (laughs) Would have that, couldn't have done something to keep people out with fucking COVID at least? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, with with the wall shit, I'm not going to get into that too much. But I mean, really, just the the political bullshit here from Delaney. But it also says the Frederick Biodefense Center, Center contains biosafety level four labs. You know. The really scary ones. 
where they house all of the best shit, which is the highest safety classification. This accreditation is required for work with pathogens, which no vaccine or treatment exists. And it allows the program to test and analyze life-threatening agents such as anthrax, like we've been talking about the past couple episodes, and the Ebola virus, which everybody loves too. And DHS's science and technology budget proposal states that the Fort Detrick facility's capabilities can be replicated. This is kind of fucking scary, so let me, let me repeat. Can be replicated at other facilities. The budget document also justifies cuts to the lab facilities, saying that the funds would go towards some of Trump's campaign promises. In quotes, it says the proposed strategic reductions will ensure that ST is right size for the future and allow ST to focus on the highest priority needs of the Homeland Security Enterprise or HSC, such as border security and immigration technology, the document states. Well, how have we done on that since? Have we done really well with that? Haven't we had hundreds of thousands of fucking people just waltz into this country illegally in the past couple months and have Biden fly their children? all around the United States on our dime too, to God, to be delivered to God knows who. We're at a million, conservatively yeah. a million since Biden took it's, office. It's so disgusting. I was reading about it the other day, a million. That's an invasion, right? Like if like a hundred thousand people uh, would agree, bum yeah. rush the border of Canada, that would be an invasion of Canada, wouldn't it? Well, it's great, you know, and Biden's response was, you know, the, the, fortunately Kamala's handling that for me like I did for Obama. Man, you know, which, if you recall, when they were asking her about the border a couple months ago, she had never no. even been there. No, but she went to Europe, though. That was that was that was her non secretary statement. Did. It's cust customary. For Thank me. goodness yeah. for that. <laughs> it says the biosafety lab center is managed by Battelle National Biodefense Institute. Spokesman Brian Gaudet said the facility helps fulfill national safety goals, like putting us in a biosecurity state, maybe. Well, we'll talk about that next. MBACC has two primary missions, it says in quotes. One is threat characterization, basically looking at all the potential select agents that are out there that can be used against the American populace to harm human life. So basically, they're going to study every single way that we can be killed <laughs> by viruses. That's great. We're paying for that. And, and then it's also, it says, it's our job to basically look at the gaps out there, what potential select agents are out there, what we, uh, what do we know about it, and what can we propose to other agencies as countermeasures. Uh, and also, before we move on, it says, in addition to the work the Frederick facility does for the nation, it's also actively involved in the Frederick community through donations to the STEM programs in the county's public schools and helping initiate the Maryland Science Olympiad, Olympiad program, God, that said. We've been in Frederick for a decade, he said. We've worked hard over that time to really become a part of the business and civic community in Frederick. Oh, isn't that nice of them? That a biosafety level <laughs> secure lab, they're just getting out there and they're mixing it up with the community. They're just being good community stewards, those guys. Just fucking top notch. So this, uh, Fort Detrick also houses two other biosafety level four labs, which are not fully defunded by Trump's budget uh, proposal. Wow. So they got all kinds of shit going on there. It says that these labs operate under U.S. Army and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Who do we know that works with that 
organization I just mentioned. It, it was the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Not oh. again. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. He's always there. Lord Fauci's always with us. He <sighs> sure is. You think he was pissed? You think he was pissed that Trump wanted to pull his funding? I think it was like, oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> well, of course. They wouldn't have been able to achieve the fucking, <laughs> the, the, the largest terrorist attack on the globe. Sure. Unprecedented. Never been done in history since Genghis Khan. But that was only his portion <laughs> of the globe. Well, we're there. We're there. Uh, and moving on to that, um, this I wanted to pull because, uh, yeah, breaking from We Love Trump. The Pentagon has admitted to 46, yes, 46 biolabs in Ukraine. Well, I love their justification <laughs> on why they're there. That's great. It says the old saying goes, Continue the only on, difference sir. between a conspiracy theory and the truth is six months, maybe even less. Fuck, it is it even been. that long these days? I don't think we even reported on that six months ago. It was more like four, maybe, I think. It says a breaking report from the Pentagon has confirmed that the United States has worked collaboratively with Ukraine by providing the country with security, safety, and disease surveillance for 46 biolabs in the country. The Pentagon report would go on to say this work, which was often conducted in partnership with outside organizations such as the WHO and the World Organization for Animal Health, has resulted in safer and more effective disease surveillance and and detection where how they don't say but it says that the pentagon would go on to reassure in their report that they are unaware if ukraine has any biological weapons <laughs> so you got 46 things there that we're paying for right you're in this partnership with them the who and the world organization for animal health too which i don't know dick about really but you don't know if they have any biological... We have all this intelligence apparatus. The NSA can tell me if I have corn in my shit tomorrow morning, John Henry. But we can't fucking tell. We can't... We have no idea if Ukraine has any biological weapons. Sons of bitches. But then we got a bunch of great tweets here. And then we got the official report from the Pentagon, which states the United States has also worked collaboratively to approve Ukraine's biological safety, security, and disease surveillance for both human and animal health, providing support to 46 peaceful, peaceful, it says, Ukrainian laboratories, health facilities, and disease diagnostic sites over the last two decades. Why would they put that exactly. in there? Why would they put that in there? Why would you put the word mm -hmm. peaceful in there? What's the purpose behind to dispel that? anyone like us questioning it because they said it's Dude, peaceful. Have you but ever seen is. laboratory referred to as a violent laboratory? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the, maybe the I ones haven't. that they, they're trying to force shots on kids or something like that. Right. I mean, that, that'd be yeah. our opinion, but I've never seen yeah. reference that way, man. And it said this work often conducted in partnership with outside organizations, such as the WHO and world organization for animal health has resulted in safer, and more effective disease surveillance and detection. Again, where and how. Ukrainian scientists have acted consistent with international best practices, you know, like the ones exhibited in Wuhan, China, and norms in publishing research results, partnering with international colleagues and multilateral uh, organizations, and widely distributing their research and public health findings. Widely distributing, they say. It also says Ukraine owns and operates its public health laboratories and associated infrastructure. Man, I'm sure they have a great fucking infrastructure over there right now. And the United States is proud to collaborate, cooperate, and provide assistance in support of this infrastructure. 
Of course we are, because we send them billions of dollars whenever they ask for it. Who, you know, who cares about us over here? But it also says these facilities operate just like other state or local public health and research laboratories around the world. Hmm. Furthermore, all equipment and training provided by the United States is subject to U.S. export control processes, audits, and acquisition laws and regulations, which ensures transparency and compliance with domestic and international laws. Bullshit. <coughs> now, this last one, this one's a little bit more of an upbeat type of thing to talk about. It says, U.S. to drop COVID testing for incoming international air travelers. Well, thank goodness, because we know that the PCR tests are pretty bullshit. Uh, we also know that being trapped in a COVID camp is not something that you want to find yourself in the position there of. Because um, you know, like in Canada, you can be diddled uh, or uh, you could just, you know, you, you could pop a couple uh, tests and they charge you thousands of fucking dollars for staying at these COVID hotels and other things too. People being raked over the coals, people being taken advantage of. But uh, so I'm glad that they're ending this shit. But it says uh, the U.S. to drop COVID testing. So uh, why are we doing that, though? Has it become less deadly all of a sudden? Can they admit that? Can they admit that it's not as big of a threat as it used to be? Well, that would that would kind of shoot in the ass any type of uh, thing. But they have an answer for that, though, John Henry. And uh, we'll read on to see what that answer is. It says the Biden administration will drop pre-departure COVID-19 international air testing requirements effective Sunday at 12.01 a.m. after heavy lobbying from airlines and the travel industry. Yeah, because it's fucking killing them. It's killing their industries. They have to lobby for that. But it also says the Biden administration, and finally, by the way, you know, they 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 pretty much bent over and spread their ass a lot in the entire two and a half fucking years that we've been going through this. But you know, I digress. It says the Biden administration will announce on Friday that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC as we know, will no longer require pre-departure COVID-19 testing for travelers coming to the United States after it was determined based on the science and data that this requirement is no longer necessary. The CDC will do a re reassessment of this of this decision in 90 days. They're going to So what they're doing is But you have but you have Biden trying to reinstate the mask mandate yes. for flying. Yes. No testing. But if you wear a stupid fucking mask that doesn't work, you're golden according to Biden because he knows. He knows the science. And what I love about this is let's say that the testing did prevent anything at any point. Well, what good is it to get rid of the testing for 90 days? Uh, experiment on the public to see if it works or doesn't work, and then just going back to it maybe afterwards. Isn't that isn't that like a libel? Wouldn't you if you had a security procedure that was supposed to save fucking lives like this? Why would you just abandon that for a ninety day trial period so you could stand there with a clipboard and factor how many people got sick and died from what you just released? Like if they're arguing that this was ever in place for something that was going to protect us, that was ever going to do anything. To release it now, and then to be able to just bring it back whenever to, it's just arbitrary. They could just sort of just do it when they want to, then they'll force it on us. And the airlines will probably go along with it because they owe the federal government a lot of money. Uh, but it says, the announcement comes as the busy summer travel season is kicking off and carriers were already bracing uh, for record demand. Airlines have said that many Americans are not traveling internationally because of concerns. They will test positive and be stranded abroad. Yeah, and there's all kinds of ways you, you could be fucked over by that. Uh, you know, not getting back in time for your family, your job, and other things like that. Yeah, that could hurt. 
And it says, since December, the CDC has required travelers to test negative within one day before flights to the United States, but does not require testing for land border crossings. The official said if there is a need to reinstate a pre-departure testing requirement, including due to a new concerning variant, CDC will not hesitate to act. Oh, we bet you won't. We bet you won't, you bastards. But that's all from that. John Henry, anything to add to this? Should we rejoice that we're now allowed to travel internationally and come back without having to have a test? But yeah. No. Yeah. It should have never been taken away from us in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Our right to travel. No, we don't reward bad behavior. We don't fucking jump up and clap and go, oh, thank goodness. No. Because that's, I mean, that's really the part of the demoralization, isn't it? Is that when they punish you and then they is. take away the punishment for a little bit because you were a good boy, but you know the punishment can always come back because you're still their servant. You're still their slave. Priming. Yep. yep. Priming. Absolutely. Getting you getting you primed and ready. But um let's uh let's give a few shout outs here. Um before we finish up. I wanted to give a shout out to our friend Don Don Jeffries, Donald Jeffries, if you will. Um, and uh, Lisa Bellinger, who is a guest of his on Friday. Uh, awesome conversation. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Lisa's story uh, with her father and what she does uh, for people when it comes to guardianships and defending the rights of the elderly and their families and protecting their money from being gobbled up by uh, people that would take advantage of them in both law firms and in the state. Um, I thought it was fantastic. So um, moving on from there too, I wanted to give a shout out, of course, to our friend Guard Goldsmith. And this was one of the funniest videos that he put together because it is a fucking ridiculous topic. And yes, you read that right. The California courts have ruled that bees are fish. <laughs> and do you, want to, do you really want to know why? I mean, watch the video, of course, to, to find out why. But really, why is, is that they never really thought to add insects into a, like a classification for things that should be protected in the environment. You know, those things where there's thousands upon thousands of variations of and different you know, little species of, of and things of that nature. They didn't even, they didn't even think of it. They, they thought of birds. They thought of reptiles. They thought of amphibians even, but didn't really think of insects. They're really on it. They know the environment. You should trust them. And lastly, uh, shout out to David Knight and Taylor Hansen. Um, this was, uh, yeah, this was a hard one to get through too. When it, when you talk about disturbing, um, Taylor Hansen is an investigative reporter and he went into where, uh, the strip club, the gay strip club that, uh, school students were brought to for their pride month celebration and then forced to walk on stage with their favorite drag queen. And then, uh, according to uh, the account here from Taylor Hansen, is that one of the students uh, was there with his parent, who kept claiming that her son was gay, and the son kept denying it and crying. And they forced the kids, while they were crying, to walk up on stage with the uh, performers, quote-unquote, if you will. So, just straight-up grooming and child abuse here that they're uncovering. And uh, you know, definitely props to Taylor Hansen for uncovering that shit. Uh, but he said that the one scary thing about the whole situation was is that he was there to kind of report on what was happening, but nobody asked him why he was there or asked him any questions because in that community, nobody really wants to ask anybody any questions because you know that typically or traditionally you know that it was it was a type of 
or at least a part of our society, if you will, that was sort of underground and a little bit seedy because of that. And anytime that you separate and you alienate a group of people too, you have that likelihood to happen. You know, you just put them in their own isolated environment and then, you know, basically black markets and, you know, other things and other moral depravities take over from there. But um, what he said was, is that nobody really questioned him because of that. And I'm asking myself while he's saying this, what the fuck else aren't they questioning? You know, if they're not questioning why you're there looking at kids at a gay strip club, well, are they not asking the other important questions like, well, what are you doing with the kids after you leave the fucking strip club, you assholes? Those kinds of questions. So definitely shout out to David Knight and Taylor Hansen for that. But uh, John Henry, any final thoughts for this week's episode? A couple things. You know, it's, it's depravity, it's darkness, it's evil, it's demonic. You know, I was watching uh, or going through and, you know, Wonder Q Woman, we've uh, referred to her a couple times on the show. I was looking at her Truth Social post today, and she actually went to a pride rally. And um, and she said that it was demonic, and that's what she felt. And she said, seeing these people, that they were just sickly and depraved, and like it weighed really heavy on her heart just to, to see what that type of toxic, evil, genuinely evil environment was. And it was amazing because somebody... Um, replied to her and said, what the hell are you doing there? And her response was fucking beautiful. It's one word. Yeah. Said praying. Yeah. I think that's about as, as good as it gets. I think that's what we all need right now is uh, a little bit of prayer, a lot of prayer, Got a lot of darkness, a lot of evil going on in this world. It's become, you know, based on this last piece here, commonplace and, you know, they're forcing people to accept it. Um, you know, under the understanding that if they're not accepting or promoting that, that they are somehow a bigot or a homophobe or it just, it's bad shit, man. So we got to stay strong. We have to stay strong. There is no, no, maybe there, you know, there, there is no, I'm neutral. I mean, you got to pick a side guys. You, you can't be neutral in this. So one of the things uh, I'm going to wrap up with is that, uh, you know, we talk so much about the importance of communicating with people, um, communicating information that you know that, you know, the general populace does not. How to communicate, um, you know, with people that you care about and, you know, and then really just how to really navigate that type of thing. So, number six, you had a little bit of an interesting conversation with, a, you know, a friend or acquaintance that you had for a long yeah. time today. And... um you know, uh, from what you were explaining to me earlier, it was, you know, just letting everybody know what's been new in your life and talked about the show and talked about, you know, really what we talk about and really here to inform people and be part of a community. And, and you were told that you're fear mongering and that people like you should be on an island. Yeah. So for our listeners out there that you know, be ostracized or even attacked basically for you where you weren't trying to force feed anybody, anything you were just, you know, with people that are allegedly friends of yours, just sharing what's new in your life and what's important to you. When that type of response happened to you, I guess really how that feel. And, uh, for any of our listeners that may be in that same situation, is there any advice that you could give them on really how to respond to that? And, uh, and why to respond the way that you did. But outside of that, thanks, guys. I appreciate everybody coming back and, and uh, hope you all are enjoying the content. So 
Back to you, well, sir. I'd actually made notes earlier this week about something like this. And when having that conversation earlier, um, I wrote about what symbols and things mean to me and how they can be used to other people by separating people, by dividing people, and what our symbols are. Um, music holds a lot of symbology in my life. Like there are songs that mean a lot to me. There are artists, there are the concerts that I've been to, there's moments and experiences I've had that mean a tremendous amount to me. And when you take, when you take our country and you corporatize it the way it has been, when you indoctrinate, incorporate, and then lead it to death, like the global corporatist oligarchy attempts to do every week when we talk about them here on, on the New Prisoners. When you take those symbols away from us, when you, when you take away our right to speak, when you take away our outlets, when you take away our free flow of information, when you take away our right to travel, associate with one another, and then you start othering us and putting us in camps, sometimes even literally, as has happened in the past few years. Um, to those people that would gladly go along with that or just accept whatever orders that they're being told, um, they are not your friend. They are not your true friend. If they wouldn't stand up for you before that somebody would, would strip you of your livelihood, that would throw you away or even remove you for something that you love so dearly, like music, for over two years because of bullshit restrictions and mandates um, and, and, and shot requirements and test requirements and bullshit that I would not put up with. The best thing to tell them is just to go fuck themselves. They're not your friend. You just need to move on. I mean, really. Like, I, I hate to say that, and I hate to be defeatist, really, Like, when, but when it comes down to it, like, you're not going to change everybody's mind, and we, we try and change minds here. We try and educate people. We, we try and bring people out of that fog that they're in where they don't know what's real or what's not. And that's that itself, John Henry, is the most depressing fucking place to be when you have nothing to believe in. I mean, Jordan Peterson wrote so eloquently about it, and I'm not even going to attempt to even touch that. But when it comes down to it, when you when you live that life of nihilism, when you have just self-interest and just greed and just driven by, I just want to be driven by pleasure. I just want to eat fucking donuts all day and just ignore life. Or I don't care what happens to the dissidents because I'll never speak up. I'll never say anything. Those people are not your friend. They're just a tool to be used by the real enemy. And it may not be them. It may not, it may not be the people in your life. It may not be the people that disagree with you. It might not be the people that you know. But the real fucking enemy uses those people against us. So tell them to fuck off. Just don't throw your tea at them. But um, that was it. But uh, And with that, uh, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us. 
or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners. <laughs>